Edwin Steiner. Oh, yeah. You are... Standing is the wrong word, because you don't feel your feet touching the ground. And in the void of time is also maybe incorrect, because it doesn't look at all like it did the last time you were here. You can't see the table? That's the minor change. Much more importantly, it has gone from this only very subtly off-white, almost completely blank space to this rushing star field. You are surrounded on all sides, up and down, by what feels to you like stars moving faster than even you know they do absolutely in the heavens. And standing, no, floating-ish across from you is yourself. You're not entirely identical here. One of you is flesh and blood and metal, wearing the comfortable clothes that you wear around the lab. And the other is some kind of pure energy construct. There's no great robotic angel body anymore. It's just your soul? That might be your soul. And you're standing, floating, just a little bit apart from each other, far enough away that you couldn't reach out and touch. You're facing each other and sort of forming a the other points of a lowercase t with you are Greta and now Kovia. And they are looking at each other, your points of focus all sort of coming to this center point in the middle of all four of you. So how exactly does this happen? Do we just sort of phase into each other or is it a more complicated process? It's now Kovia who speaks up first. She's the most physically active of all of you in the moment. She appears to be doing some kind of stretching. She's definitely like warming up her fingers and rolling her wrists and sort of working some sort of bit of positional reorientation on the timepiece, which she is no longer sitting on. She is standing in front of it and it is behind her, fully open, floating. And she says to the two of you, yes and no. Greta and I will be doing all of the heavy lifting here. The two of you are just... You're not going to be participating in this. Outside of telling us to stop last minute if you've changed your mind. 
haven't so far, so... And forgive... I, I feel like maybe I am involved in this a little bit. Not actively, no. We will be doing all of the casting. You will... If you will forgive the phrasing, simply be taking what we do to you. <sighs> well, um... Is there any fanfare, or are we just get right into it. If there's nothing you want to say to each other before we do this, we can get right into it. She's shaking out her hands. I think both Steiner just kind of look at each other and shrug, and I'm not sure if even Soul Steiner right now can speak. Oh, he can. Hmm. You can tell that you can if you wish to. Hmm. I think, like I said, both Steiners just kind of like look at each other and shrug, and they both say uh, in unison, All right, let's get this done. And the two time wizards in the room nod at the two of you and then nod to each other. Now Kovia begins the spell, clasps her hands together, rolls her palms back and forth against each other, spreads them in the arcing gold light of time forms between them. She spins the light like a staff and something reminiscent of a clock face forms in front of her and she begins dialing it with both of her hands, tuning it slightly, moving it this way and that, little sigils and lines inside of it orienting itself Greta is much less flashy about it. She just holds out her hands, one each of the two of you, closes her eyes in gentle concentration, and with a kind of roll of her shoulders backwards, begins moving her hands towards each other. And as they get closer and closer, Nelkovia speeds up her tuning, her craft more and more until she is working at a frenzy while Greta is just still a slow, deliberate pace. And as her palms come just bare inches apart, there's like arcs of electricity, time jumping between her hands. And you, Edwin Steiner, begin to feel pulled inward. Not physically exactly, not even, not, not spiritually, not, not even at yourself. It's something much deeper, much more fundamental. Your history is being pulled inward to a central point. There's a, a melding, a mixing a consuming you can feel a little bit. And then Greta's hands come together and now Kovia's tuning finishes with just her open palms snapping into this center point and there's a loss of continuity for Edwin Steiner. 
it's just for an instant. But then... You are standing between the two of them, facing Greta. You can feel Nalkovia behind you, like static electricity causing the hairs of your history to stand on end as she comes down from her cast. Okay. That's not quite a headache, but it's... Mm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's two competing histories trying to reconcile each other. That's what that feels like now, I know. It should resolve momentarily. One of them is considerably more dominant over the other. And so it should only take a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Right. It's kind of weird. It's like watching a home, watching home movies a little bit. And uh, oh. All right. I know we've had this conversation already, Malkovia, but still, I feel the need to apologize again. She kind of smiles and tips her head a little bit. I have been apologized to by you, and she kind of does like one finger quotes so many times, it's fine. Uh, well, once more can't hurt, I suppose. Uh, let's see. At... Oh, okay. Get Twice? Dying twice is still too good for him. Ah. Oh, that's... Oh. Ah. Okay. All right. Hmm. Oof. I'm just going to sit down for a moment, I think. As you kind of collapse backwards into... I'm not collapsing, I'm finding a chair. Right, well, that's what I'm saying. As you would like kind of go to start sitting down, a chair just manifests up behind you. It's not the like sturdy wooden chairs of the big table. It's something much more plush, something you can sink into. Hmm. Ah, oh, that'll, that'll do. I don't suppose this thing has a massage feature. It didn't at first. And then I was asked enough times to replace it. As you fiddle <laughs> around, you realize one of the arms just flips up and there's massage controls underneath it. Ah, oh, wunderbar. Ironically, most of them work by Grant instead of Steiner. <laughs> Sometimes it's the Grant who dies. So as you just sit here and kind of collect yourself, it's the most peculiar feeling because you, you there is sort of the feeling of a person has been added into you. You know, as per the agreement, you are most of all 
the dead timeline Steiner, a 70-30 split. So there, there is the feeling of predominance, of you, those experiences, of those feelings, of those relationships being more important than anything, and everything else, everything from the live timeline Steiner being added in, being the second part of the mixture rather than the base. But at the same time, there's a degree of seamlessness to it, a degree of mixed feelings about everything. You have two different sets of feelings for Adel. You have two different sets of feelings about Gregory's actions for the past year. And you definitely feel more one way than the other, but it's... You're, you're a very smart man, so you can sort of puzzle out where things begin and end, but it's difficult. You have to work to tell the difference. Mm -hmm. And your death as well, the, the moment of your dying, speaking of people dying. You know, there's, you, you still have the strength of those memories, but you feel like the, the impact of that moment is a little bit diluted because it didn't happen to you. No, it, but it also did. It definitely did happen to you, but also it definitely never happened to you. I'm going to liken it to the feeling of uh, uh, how do I put it? Uh, okay, so like you know that mumbo jumbo about like if you die in a dream you wake up. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true for everyone, but it's not true for me. And there's that moment, like uh, for a couple minutes after you wake up. Where you think that definitely happened, but most part, but also like part of your brain's like, no, no, man, that was a dream. You're good. And it's a very particular and peculiar feeling that I am not at this exact moment capable of fully conveying. But it's 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 a very dreamlike thing, just right after you wake up, where it's just. It's real, but it's also very much not real. Well, not very much, but I, 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 I'm struggling to convey this. You... It's a difficult thing to describe, but no wonder you're struggling. Yeah. So you are allowed to just sit and work through, like, your emotions for as long as you'd like. You know, the, the two-time wizards don't, like, stand there at attention. They kind of walk a little ways off and talk to each other. But you don't feel ignored, and you don't feel rushed out. I'm going to say Steiner takes at least an hour to fully recombobulate. Well, not fully, but like enough to be, enough to be Edwin, 
Again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, if there's no follow-ups, I think I feel good enough to go back home. Um, I suppose this is goodbye to both of you, huh? Two of them turn and walk slash float over to you as you get up out of the chair. Yes, this is the last time we will speak to each other until and unless you decide to create me for yourself. So, so how does that actually work? Because if you're already created by a different timeline, Steiner, or is this like one of those things where all the timelines converge at a point or? They do not all converge at a point. I converge. When A. Greta leaves to commence her mission, she inevitably comes here, and we inevitably become one. I see. So because no, no two Steiners are exactly the same, I imagine no Greta is exactly the same. Frequently very similar, but yes, never exactly the same. Hmm. Ah, well. I guess we'll just have to see. It will be up to you, and do not feel obligated. At this point, I exist regardless of anybody's actions. Hmm. Well, I'll... I'll miss the both of you. It's been... Interesting, to say the least, but... Time for you to get back to your life. Properly. I've got... yes. Uh, I have things to do. Greta takes a half-step forward and gives you one last real tight hug. I'll hug back. The hug breaks. Now Kovia floats in and slaps you on the arm the flesh arm so you can feel it. Yeah. Fair enough. And she floats back. Greta extends a hand and and you're back in your lab. And you are immediately greeted with Welcome back, Edwin. You were gone for 30 seconds. Hmm. 30 seconds. I wonder why 30 seconds. Ah. Oh well. What time is it? I'm... Odd. Odd is the best way I can describe how I feel right now. I imagine you have some. I imagine. Are you going through something similar? Oh, oh, that was integration. Just a moment then. And some kind of sound starts playing over the lab intercom. 
it, it takes you a minute because you're disoriented to pick it out, but it's the sound of like old hard drives spinning up. That kind of weird, like spinning a little bit poppy noise. You know, nothing in your lab sounds like that. So it's definitely something Gregory is doing on purpose. See, for a minute, uh, like for like until you actually said what it was, I was convinced it was going to be like weird, distorted, grainy uh, Rick Astley. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. But it, uh, there's about a minute where it plays and you can like look around, answer your own question as to the time. It's I'm going to pick a time. It's about 6 p.m. And then there's a a ding over the intercom. Task complete. Hello, everyone. How are you feeling, Gregory? Considerably better than you, I imagine. I am significantly better at compartmentalizing experiences. However, I am also now presently more fully processing events such as your death and the destruction of my world. <sighs> yes, well, I, well, I don't want to say don't worry about it because, well, I mean, it, it did happen, but it also didn't really happen, but... It is an experience that happened to me. I got better. I have noticed. And that makes me feel much better. Ah. Well. I think we're going to call the rest of the day, um, just a rest period. I'm going to order dinner, I think. As you voice that, there's an unfamiliar little sound in the lab. It's coming from like just behind a corner somewhere down near foot level. And then the little magical ermine familiar just comes like tip tip tipping, sniffing around from around the corner. Oh goodness, there you are. That's right. I think I had to mention something about safekeeping. How are you, little one? Are you ill? I don't know what sounds stoats make, so it... Probably the same thing as, like, ferrets. I don't know what sounds ferrets make. They say their names like Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, like, chittering, kind of like... I'm googling ferret noises. (laughs) It's squeaky. I mean, yeah, they're basically big slinkies. With fur. Okay. So there's little squeaking noises. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's kind of hopping around a little bit because it's excited at its new environment. Look to get you a little enclosure or, or something. I'm not actually ri- sure how to keep an ermine. Hmm. Do ermines eat? I will begin researching immediately. Ha, appreciate it. Well, 
You do that, I'm going to find a box or something, I think. Well, do I even... If this thing's familiar, perhaps it's... it's does it need an enclosure? I don't... Hmm. Going to have to talk to some of the wizards you know about how familiars work. It's familiars you stole off the corpse of another wizard. Look, that's how it works. That's how it works with everything with wizards. Trial by combat is always valid. And he was a jerk, too. He was, and he a, was jerk. a jerk. Bet he didn't even pet his pet. Eh. I mean, the little Ermine doesn't look unhealthy or anything. And it never did. So, Steiner, can uh, yeah. you know, spend a little bit of time just getting your new little pet settled. And then, as stated, take the rest of the night off. Just get something to eat. Yeah. What happens tomorrow? Hmm. It is early July right now. Is uh, school still on break? Yes. Assuming you okay. have decided not to teach summer classes. Caltech is definitely in summer semester right now. Um. Well, aside from the uh, general knowledge of weasel care, I, well, I, I actually know the perfect person to help me with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gotta give, gotta give Mr. Harrison a call. <laughs> Hey, Grant, from yeah. wherever you are in New York in early July, your phone starts ringing with the doubtless incredibly tasteful custom ringtone you have assigned to Steiner. Weird science, of course. Oh, I was going to go Mr. Roboto. Mr. Roboto oh. also works, but I feel like weird science. Yeah, fair enough. No, it's, it's, it's a slightly more... Uh, I don't want to say, like, classy, because that's definitely not the word for it, but... <laughs> it's the road that... It's a, like a, it's a road a little bit less taken. It's a little bit more interesting choice. Yes. Also, Oingo Boingo is, is good. Easy choice. Anyway, I answer it, and I go, Hey, how's it going? Uh... It's interesting. Um, sorry to bother you. Uh, is, this is not important if you're busy. Uh, no, I'm just watching the shop right now, but nobody's in. Uh, what's going on? Well, um, I need some knowledge that, um, what well, two particular schools of knowledge of which you happen to have both. Okay. Um, one, caring for a weasel, and two, Information on familiars. Hmm. Okay. Um. Well, first of all, uh, if well, not specifically a weasel, but I'm used to lid, but yeah, I mean, in the family. Yeah. yeah um, might want to get a crate. Depends on how well trained it is. Uh, they do like to chew on things. Um, but yes. you're gonna want to like let it well, out at least once a day. But does that apply if it's a familiar? Ooh, that's a good question, because, um... 
<clears throat> thought it perhaps depends. I might be a little more well behaved. Uh, it, I mean, they're still they're still animals, even when they are familiars, is the thing. So, like, e- even if they are more well behaved, they're going to inevitably find a thing that they want that they want. And if you're not paying attention to them to tell them no, don't do that thing, then uh, they're going to go get it, come hell or high water. And would it obey rules that I set down? It depends on how closely you bonded. Hmm. If if you if you my suggestion for a familiar would be to just like treat it like you would any other pet for a little while and see how it reacts to like some general testing like to see like how well it obeys how close you guys are um and after that like if if you're confident in like just leaving it out all of the time that's fine um technically otis is not my familiar but like i'm fine with him like running around willy-nilly when uh when i'm home but i still put him like in his little uh, crate, like when both me and Amalia are gone. Right, tell it. Just to sort of feel it out and see, because I, I, I didn't create this thing. Right. Yes. Yes. Wait. What I thing? I have no we idea. Have. What it... I'm. I'm sorry. We're we're talking. You got me talking about stuff I'm passionate oh, about. Oh, right. What? Why the um, hell are you ta- asking about familiars? Ah, that's right, you... My apologies, I forgot you still have, um, the rest of the year. Oh, is this... is is this a thing? This is a merged thing? Yes, apparently I picked up an ermine off of, uh, a defeated wizard at some point. Hmm. Uh, Like I I said, it depends on how close you guys have bonded, and that could potentially change as like you hang around with each other um like i said just sort of feel it out for now and see what happens see the weird thing is that the circumstances as they were i didn't actually get to spend a lot of time with it even then i don't even think i named it you should probably name it hmm well uh, if I have any further questions, anything specific, I will call you. Otherwise, I'll just let it ride, as the children say. Yeah, um, like just like you said, give me a call if you have any questions about it. Um, that being said, familiars are as different as pe- like one familiar to another is going to be as different as one person to another so i can't say for sure like universally like oh they're they're smarter than average animals because some of them are not some of them are actually maybe even less intelligent than their normal animal counterparts but they they're special in other ways so just see how this thing basically is before you make any decisions and then like and then just give me a call if you need any help Hmm. Well, 
will do. I thank you for your time. And how, how is everything going in New York, actually? Uh, it's going pretty good. Um, I might call up uh, Roxanne and see if she can, like, bit me over there so I can visit pretty soon. But, like, God, I miss this town. I miss this town <laughs> so much, and I'm so glad to be back. Well, I'm glad that I don't have to listen to you complaining about pizza every five minutes. <laughs> it wasn't every five minutes, and eventually I found a place that, you know what? No, I, there's a customer walking in. I gotta go. <sighs> Good day, Mr. Harrison. See you, Steiner. Ah, <laughs> uh, name, 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 name. Uh, she'll call you Wendell. Can you explain that one to me? Oh, it's um, it's German for coil. Ah, because slinkies. Yes. I like it. What do you think, little one? Yeah, you know, given its twitchy little sniffing and hopping around a little bit. Well, uh, I, I shall take that as a yes. So, Steiner, you are complete now. And it's only the middle of 2013 at this point. What's next for you? Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. When does, like, everybody else start getting their memories back? How does that work? Hmm. Well, not their memories back, but, like, their, the memories they agreed to take. Yeah, yeah. So, that's kind of a funny business. Because the answer is both immediately and not for a while yet. Hmm. They will have their memories so long as they are interacting with an integrated member of your little trio up until all three of you are integrated and then they have them permanently. So you know that if you just went and talked to Emery right now, they would get their memories of the dead timeline. And then after you left, it wouldn't exactly fade. It wouldn't like blink out of their head completely. So that like context for the conversation that just happened would remain, but those memories would recede. That's going to be super weird for them. Oh, yeah. This is basically the only way to do it that doesn't leave Grant and Roxanne, like, stranded 24-7. All right. So, not in the order I posted in the chat, but I'd like to get this out of the way first. Uh, the reason I asked about memories is because... Uh, I want to get the uh, leaders of the SoCal Ravens, or the Ravens of, you know, California Ravens, mm -hmm. uh, in the lab so that we can discuss 
you know, what I want to do going forward with the Ravens. Uh, these would be my whole armory knowledge bank plan thing. And I guess any other Ravens that want to show up. Okay, okay. Alright, so it's... It isn't like a next day thing. No, you I, have I to, imagine uh, not. Yeah, you have to send out invitations and... It's, it'll take a couple of weeks before the leaders can all come out. And... I can't think of any other ravens who would want to come with. Like, I can think of one, actually. Ailita, yeah, maybe. Well, what about Alex? Yeah, Alex, I don't think Alex ever okay. actually been down here. Alex would definitely jump at the chance to see Professor Gear's new laboratory. So yeah, it's it'll be the three leaders and then Alex and Ailita. And they all just kind of gather up and as they come in, there's a moment that you've experienced with Emery when you first brought this up to them face to face. The moment they kind of are in your presence and lock eyes with you, something flashes behind their eyes. And that's both figurative with recognition, but also it's kind of literal. You, you can't quite pin it down even after seeing it two, three, four, five, six times, but the moment you make eye contact, you swear that like something literally lights up inside of their ocular cavities. But they mm. all know you and recognize you completely. They remember everything that happened and are ready to talk. Uh, well, so uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you all for taking the time to meet with me. Um, I know you are quite quite busy people, so I won't waste uh, any time as... Well, I'll waste as little time as I can. Uh, let's get directly to my proposal. What I would like to, go, to do here is sort of extend the reach of my lab to all of the California Ravens. Uh, sort of an armory, knowledge bank, just... Some of you are familiar with the extent of my manufacturing capacity and what I can do and what I can make, and I offer that to all of the Ravens, not just the SoCal group. In addition, um, some of you may have noticed the portal set up there. That is sort of a quick access as I kind of move from the lab to the Winter Court and then towards SoCal headquarters. I would also, with the Winter Court's father permission, like to extend this to the rest of the California Ravens. And expanding upon that, I would actually like to expand the lab into new developments. I would like to put separate laboratories around California that would be quick to access, that might contain useful tools or emergency weapons, uh, things of that nature. And in addition, each of these lab separate laboratories could house a different iteration of Gregory as uh, 
extensive knowledge base, or any kind of research that you might need to be done quickly. That's the elevator pitch. So some, you know, just general, like, nodding along. Nobody in the immediacy seems, like, reticent. No, nobody dislikes this proposal on its face. Abraham does speak up. Just out of curiosity, how do you intend to handle space? Ah, that's a good point, Swerve. It's already a bit cramped in here, but I've expanded before and I can expand again. And as an addition, in addition, that's why I'd like to expand into new sites on the laboratory that, connected by this same gateway, would essentially functions as as extra wings of the laboratory. Right. I. What I'm asking about is where have you picked out sites to establish these new labs in our various territories? Well, I've had a few weeks, and... Well, and when I built the initial lab, I didn't quite have the resources I do today. So for these new laboratories, I can move farther away from the city into more remote and less conspicuous locations. I have um, a map over here where I have some uh, propositions, some proposal locations that I'd like to run by. Well. This is your territory. If there's anything wrong with these locations, I'd like to get what I would like to know. Yeah, so with uh, three leaders in particular, we'll get up and approach your map and start evaluating it. And you get, you know, little bits of like, this is a really good spot. Uh, this we know is like, there tends to be a lot of fey that when they come out in NorCal, they tend to come out a lot around here, so maybe don't build here. We know that this area is actually like scheduled for housing development, so uh, that it could either be really good or really bad. Probably really bad, since you don't want to put this so close to where people live. You know, stuff like that. I built this under downtown LA. I can be sneaky about it, but maybe not so close, but not so far away either. These could also function as emergency safe houses. Yeah. Still no, so we'll just eliminate this and that and that. There we go. All right, so we've nerded it down a little bit and we'll go f review and move forward and all of that's usual business. Yes, when my team gets a little bit of downtime, we will more thoroughly evaluate these locations. I can have your printed copy to take back uh, in just a few moments if you'd like that. I would appreciate it, yes. Right, we'll just update that and have that. Uh, could you get um, the three hot copies, please, Gregory? Already printed out. Ah, excellent. Thank you. Little robot comes puttering into the room, floating just above the floor. Got a few sheets of paper on a little tray on its head. Here we go. We'll just set these here for the time being. So, in addition to being safe houses, knowledge repositories, 
Uh, we could also conduct repairs. I know that uh, some of you use complex mechanical devices and some of you are more organic, but uh, this would also be, these would also be places where you can acquire, manufacture as needed, specific weapons against specific monsters, or perhaps augment, something to augment the abilities you already have, things of that nature. I want to note, Steiner, as you're saying all this, like, the little printout robot, when Dietrich picked up his printout and started just, like, looking over it to confirm, Aelita kind of stealthily, like, crouched down a little bit and then snatched up the printout robot and is, like, holding it inches from her face and is, like, staring deeply into it. How do you work? Tell me your <laughs> secrets, tiny machine. One of the little, like, sensors in your lab that says unusual magic is happening just kind of starts, like, chirping. I uh, I take a note of that, like, stop, not mid-sentence, but I, like, note, okay, that's what's going on. I'm just going to let them do that. Okay. They're not actively harming or doing anything right now. They're just curious and poking at it, so <laughs> it's fine. So yeah, there's a... Um, you can, like, run a quick tour of, you know, the fabrication workshop, you know, detail the capacities you can run at and the capacities you can expect to run at. Ah. And uh, this over here, um, we had a... Uh, Minotaur Smith from the Fall Court staying here for a while. His name was Morton. He was very adept at forging unusual things into blades and weapons and that sort. And while I don't know how he did the things he did, he did leave his forge behind. And uh, I'm not sure... I haven't taken it apart because well, I don't want to touch it because I... I can't personally use it, but I imagine we can find someone who has that knowledge or expertise or at least can take a crack at it. If we can get that up on the running, that's some entirely new avenues of... That's an entirely new resource to tap. There's some, like, quick nonverbal communication between everybody, and then all eyes kind of turn to Melissa and Alex, and then the two of them look at you, and Alex kind of, like, nods and scrubs at his facial hair a little bit. Yeah, we, um... We got this family of giants up where we work, and uh, I know one of them does blacksmithing as a hobby. Um, it might be a little cramped in here, but I suppose I can relocate it. If I take time to study it, I can disassemble it and reassemble it. You can get it figured out, I think. We'll put that on the books. Uh... Remembered something. Uh, Morton said something about uh, divine f or sublime forge. I'm not sure what that is, but it seemed quite important. He said that this was not a perfect recreation, but as close as he could get. So uh, I imagine that means something to someone who knows more about that than I do. Does not mean a thing to any of us, I believe, but we will keep that vocabulary in mind. Right. 
Uh, so, and then I have the garage here, which is the rest of this area. I can modify or repair, well, not every automobile, but most automobiles. I can, I don't think I can work on, say, a tank. Maybe if I take a few days to figure it out, but the most common automobiles I can work on. And that's about the long and the short of the tour. It's a little cramped, it's a little small, but it is effectively my home, and I extend it to all of you. Well, we certainly appreciate it. <laughs> if half the things Emery tells us about you are true, we will definitely be calling on you. Ah, well, I look forward to it. She had a good challenge. So, construction is probably going to be like a multi-year thing. That's probably going to take you all the yeah. way into like the end of 2014. But that's also not going to be an everyday kind of thing. No, I mean, I can automate a lot of that. That's what I did originally. I like, I didn't dig out like what amounts to probably like 500 square feet under LA by hand. Yeah. So, what else happens? Well, did the um, did the Raven leaders actually agree to the whole uh, portal idea? Was that a yeah, yeah, or a nay on that? As a uh, yeah, they they definitely do appreciate the idea of being able to source each other for things like on short notice much easier turning you know unifying all of california into sort of a, a single unit where members are shared about and circulated while they may focus in one area is really good you know maggie nowadays is kind of a magical powerhouse her just the the output and finesse that she can produce is way higher than it was at the start of 2012 and so just having this uh, essentially a glass cannon is something everybody can appreciate uh yeah. bb's sensory abilities are something everybody on the team wishes they had. Uh, Jack's ability to infiltrate buildings by just turning into smoke and slipping through cracks in walls, something everybody would like to have on their team. And so being able to shuffle teams around, something everybody would appreciate. So next on the agenda then, uh, and this would be happening whether or not it was a yes or no. I just wanted to make sure. I just wanted to know that before we head in there. Is um, going to pay a social visit to Winrhine, see how things are going there. And then also, while I'm there, ask permission for these three additional locations. Yeah, all right. So getting into the fall court is pretty easy. I can't believe I get to say this name one last time. Janai Arachnotois <laughs> is there to greet oh, wait, you. Wait, wait, wait. It's been a couple weeks. I want to say the little ermine, Wendell, mm -hmm. pretty well behaved. But Fronderin Bugchensis, as 
you know, mucilids are. But today with me, they are they are with me and they have a tiny little scarf and little hat on and they're just kind of like in the coat. That's very cute and I love it. Yes. So yeah, Janai will escort you up to the throne room and you know, you, you were told by head scientist Sagi that uh, there, there was that you know, shock when this eight and a half foot tall glowing god appeared in the throne room and spoke a language nobody really understood to Wenrine and she was like cowed by it and acted humble and submissive and the court basically didn't know what to do with itself for like eh, two-thirds of a week but then the the rhythm of the court was restored and everything is basically back to normal now it's the the normal low-key hustle and bustle of the Sealy Court of Winter and when Brian is happy to receive you as always the throne room is open Lycar is present and seems to be in some kind of like hushed conversation with some kind of panther man that almost seems like he's one of the spring court hybrid experiments but neither of those two really acknowledge your presence as you arrive but you have one Ryan's attention my apologies for the delayed meeting it was only recently that I received the memories of the other timeline and so I thought I would just drop in make sure things are doing well here and just say hello. They are. My two head scientists are quite eager to speak to you, but beyond that, the court is well, and I am well. Are you well? I'm doing quite well, actually. I'm making new plans for the future and moving forward with my life. That is a wonderful thing to hear. Yes. I understand there was a bit of a shake-up here, but things seem to have settled down now. Yes. Few people know who Adel is, and even fewer are expecting their return. Yes, well, for better or for worse, that's the reality now. I understand they are staying in the center for the time being. Yes. Aside from when they first returned and spoke to myself and my siblings, I do not believe they have left. I don't know what they are doing. I have not felt invited, so I have not been there to see for myself. <sighs> but there have been a few messengers from the center and from what I can glean from them, she says with, you know, if she was a little bit looser of a person, she might be tipping the, or tapping the tip of her nose. Winking. Yeah. 
They... They're in a complicated state. Yes, well... They've been through a lot. Yeah. So... Is this simply a social visit? A little bit social, a little bit business. I do enjoy just talking to you from time to time, but I do have one small matter to attend to, but we can have pleasantries beforehand. Of course. Are you thirsty? Uh, yes, I actually would like a drink. That would be lovely. Thank you. So that there's a there's an odd bit of socializing that happens here because, you know, she is very friendly and accommodating, but you also know, just because of how you know Faye, that, like, she's like this because she's under contract with the Ravens. And so, like, the High Queen of one of the courts of the Wilds, taking time to just have tea in conversation with some human is not normal court protocol. So, like, are they annoyed? I'm gonna say without rolling, you can't get any kind of, like, read on how she's feeling about this. So, uh, like, I wouldn't be able to tell without rolling if I get the sense of I'm, like, overstepping a little. Correct. Uh, I'll throw a roll at it. I mean... I have to. Right. I, th I think I need to pull up the old character sheet. Yeah, you are alive again. Let's see what uh, was knowledge that I learned, and what can I actually transfer over that I learned. That doesn't. I feel count. like what I want from you is a combination, is like an average roll of charm and sharp. You're observing somebody and then interpreting those results. Okay. Rolling charm. And, and a rolling sharp. A 15. A 15. That's, that's a 23, which rounding in your favor turns into a 12. So, uh, you are able to read her insofar as you can tell that, like, you're pushing it. Sorry. She she has other things that she would like to be doing. And while you are pleasant, and she is interested in your work, she has other things to be doing, and this is a bit improper. Ah, goodness, I've gotten carried away here. I lost track of time. Uh, I won't take any more of yours, so I'll get right down to it. Um, a small matter is I would like to expand the sort of cultural webway I've built by three locations, if that is alright with you. She is considering your offer and she she looks a bit more imperious now that like business is happening. Uh, just give me a roll manipulate someone. Oh, Galito. Just, just to kind of see where she's at. Nine. Okay. Nine. That would be possible, yes. However, 
the allotment of land that I have given you is already more substantial than I allow with most humans. And I have done it without requesting anything in return at this point. So if you are wishing to expand, I believe at this point we need to enter into some more formal arrangement. Of course. Uh, did you have anything in mind, or is this a future favor? I believe that it would be most prudent to craft the terms of this agreement immediately so that neither party feels slighted. Very well. Let's get down to business then. I believe the most valuable thing that you could offer me is your time. You are a brilliant mind, and while the communication that takes place between your laboratory and mine is always welcome, I would like your physical presence in my laboratory. For how long? I believe it would be an ongoing arrangement. I would not ask for all of your time. Of course, you have work to be doing that I am here to support, and I do not wish to unduly consume your time. Hmm. But a few hours a week, I believe, would be fair. Very well. I believe this is agreeable. Yours a week of my time in exchange, I receive the three locations I have requested. She extends a hand. I shake that hand. You can feel a magical contract start to press itself into you. Good thing I'm semi-retired then. <laughs> it seeps into your skin and goes deep down into somewhere in the sort of metaphysical vicinity of yourself and you can feel it settle and then you can't feel it anymore but you know it's there very good Indeed. she pulls back her hand kind of resettles her posture to be you know a, a little less business like but still quite imperial Contract fulfilled. I will take up no more of your time. And I shall go deliver the good news to Saki and Mahepe in person, I think. Wonderful. We'll fill out the fine details of the new land later. Yes, I believe that it would be most prudent for you to work out the necessary formulations with my court scientists. Then they can be presented to me so that I can ensure that the allotment of land meets your expectations. Appreciate that. Well, as I said, um, I always enjoy talking to you, but I shall take up no more of your time. Good day. She gives you a cool, hospitable bow, and you feel dismissed. Yeah. Also, courtesy bow, respectful bow. Turn around, head down the corridors, 
down the stairs and into the much warmer Magitechnology Laboratory space of the Winter Court. I just want to imagine that, like, at various points, like every so often, the little ermine wentel will just poke their head out from some place new on the jacket. <laughs> just crawling around your body. You've somehow managed to keep very straight-faced, despite it occasionally, like, crawling up your sleeve and poking its head out near your wrist. Well, there's, like, a sweater under there. Still. It's moving in between the space. The laboratory is basically as you last saw it. You know, there isn't the... Um, well, not as I actually last, last saw yeah, it. Actually, that's kind of a little bit difficult to pin down because the the last time the dominant portion of your being saw it, your son was here and also the cadence of the lab was thrown off by Topside basically being a refugee camp and everybody sort of being emotional about the death of humanity and also a whole lot of fey. So, I guess I'll walk that statement back and just say it's as you most often remember it being. The hustle and bustle of scientists applying various scientific magical theories to weapons, armor, vehicles, golems, texts being referenced and written simultaneously. This is a as always, working, running, laboratory space. And you can walk in, wander around, observe what all has, what, what projects have been started, identify which projects have ended in a couple of months since you last came down here. And then Kiyosagi comes around the corner in her little scientists like lab tunic oh hello 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 welcome 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 back I... hmm. oh that is extremely interesting hello welcome good to see you it is good to see you too how are you doing you look well and also very much yourself now thank you I'm I'm doing quite well, actually, yes. Thank you for asking. It's all been a little bit odd, but I mean, when hasn't it been? So, we... I don't know if you were told. We haven't exactly had a moment to send a message through to you, but we do have some business with you, something we need you to look into. But if you have something that you need to talk to us about first, uh, we could do that first. Well, uh, I have good news for you then, is uh, I have formed a contract with the Queen in order to expand my little parcel of land for my own machinations. Uh, I have agreed to be here for a couple of hours each week, so I suppose we'll knock those first few out right now, huh? 
Her face lights up and she hops up and down a little bit. Her ears are sticking up, obviously very excited by all of this. That's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to hear. We would absolutely love to have you be here physically more often. There are so many ideas that we have and simply choose not to send over just because of how long the transmission time would be. Well, let's have a look. What have we got today? Uh, so, 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 what we have today isn't exactly a project. It may be something more akin to a search and rescue. Uh-huh. Some, what's the matter? We have lost contact with Butler. Let's see, how long? It has been five days. Hmm. Well, the battery backup should last longer than that. Last we knew, they were beginning to take their cartography efforts out into the deep wilds. Hmm. <sighs> Absolutely zero signal? Absolutely zero signal. Well, I'll take that as a reassuring sign. If Butlerbot has been damaged in some way, the emergency signal would kick on. Well, that or just complete destruction, but hopefully not that. Hopefully not that, yes. Complete loss of contact, no emergency signal. She leads you a little bit deeper into the lab, and there's a small map kind of laid out on a table. And there's a bright blue line that's kind of traced about it. You you can sort of glean just from immediate sight that this is a map of the Winter Court. Like you recognize a couple of landmarks, some that you've seen from a distance, some spaces around the palace that you've walked through. And you can tell just at a glance that this is tracking Butler's signal. And you can see there's a, a kind of like border drawn in like a, a big clear black line. And solid cartography stops at it. It just kind of becomes like trees and mountains and there aren't even like good elevation markers on it. And the blue line goes out into it a little ways and then like terminates. And there's a circle drawn about the end of it. Uh, should I take this indicator as accurate? Did it simply... Uh, was it just simply a uh, hard cutoff, or did the signal fade? We do not observe this map every minute of every day, so I'm afraid we do not know. So far as we are aware, it stops suddenly. But, again, all we can tell is that the line was as thick as it was, and it has stopped moving entirely. Hmm... Hard cut off. It's still possible, but less likely that they've just simply entered a area that would interfere with communications. That would fade out, though, more more likely. But, hmm, hard cut off. He pondered this. Most of the deep wilds are fairly unknown to those of us here in the laboratory. We have a few mining operations, but not in that direction. Let's see. 
doubt there's much out there that would take an interest in Butler Bart. Being completely inorganic, he wouldn't be a good source of food, so it would be mostly ignored by any predators, but there are things that might simply be territorial. And again, I don't want to consider that Battlebat might be destroyed, but hard cut off is not a great sign. Let's see. Illusion magic wouldn't be able to block a signal like that. I know there are things that can do sort of like a natural illusion field out there. We could have simply found a large cave system. There might be a, a more powerful signal that would just override. But you would be picking that up. Any kind of dense metal in between Butlerbot and the receiver would also block that signal. But that would be a very large piece of metal for it to block signal for five days. Uh, can I take a look at the, the signal uh, right up until the last moment of contact? Just a minute. This map isn't my work. Where is she? Goes and wanders off into the lab. Comes back with Mihebi in tow. Hey. Hello, Mihebi. How are you doing? Uh, aside from the problem. Um... And like as as she's you know starting to talk to you, you can see there's that same kind of moment where something flashes behind her eyes, memories reconnect. Oh, that. Huh. Yes, those will actually go away when I leave. Uh, um. Wait, I don't know that for certain. Do I? Eh, you've you've gotten a feel for how it works. That it recedes. So that like. Basically, if Grant or Roxanne come here, that they won't be able to talk about the dead timeline, which is pretty unlikely. So it probably actually like works in reverse. Like it'll recede if and when the two, one of the two of them shows up, but they'll keep current uh, otherwise. I don't know if I'd suss that one out immediately. No, but she, but she's uh she's looking at you like like she's thinking real hard about something. I I when when we resolve this, I need to talk to you about something. I think I think something I think a mystery just got solved. And we need to confirm it. But in the meantime, right wind this back. She walks over to the map, puts her middle finger on one corner of it, and then starts to slide it to the right a little bit. And the trail, the blue line, kind of just winds backwards a little bit. Okay. So I can just kind of scroll back and forth and watch. Yeah. Lip moving, lip stops. We weren't qualitatively monitoring the signal, just keeping track of the path. That's entirely passive reception, yes. 
so it stops exactly here. What does the area around that area look like? Is it mountainous, more forest? Very woodsy. Thick forest. Very woodsy. Thick forest. Outside of that, like I said, it's not a very good map beyond the borders of the court proper. And the signal is the exact same until it suddenly stops, right? Yeah. No changes in it? All right. Correct. Well, let's see. I'm going to take it as a good sign that the signal stays steady right up until we lose it. If Bottlebot was damaged, he is programmed to go into an emergency mode and broadcast an emergency signal. Uh, I don't see any of any trace of that, so unless it was just complete and total destruction in an instant, I think Bottlebot is intact at least. Um, there are too many different ways the signal could be lost like that. They both look at each other and look at you like, please take the lead on this. <sighs> uh, would be something simple as Battlebot might have broken through a weak spot in the crust and fallen into a cave. That might that would block the signal very suddenly. In which case, Battlebot might be damaged and not be able to transmit. Uh, there's too many variables. I think the only thing we can do is just go out there and check for ourselves. Um. I'll go out and check for myself. <laughs> Thank you. We're we're not built for that. I would appreciate an expert hands if there's anyone willing to go with me, but I don't necessarily need them. Uh, let me go ask around. And she will go and ask around. She'll find she'll find a cobalt woman who is working on a set of armor that could use some field testing. Ah, that'll do perfectly. I don't need you to do any combat. I don't expect any anything like that, but I just still the wilds, and I'd like to have an extra pair of eyes watching my back. As long as you don't need me to throw a punch, I'm right behind you. Well, just, just in case enough food for a day and uh, a small tent will be fine. I, again, I don't expect to spend a day out there, just a f enough time to get there, maybe do some repairs and back, but what can never be too careful. Yeah, that's all real easy to acquire. What's, um, what are you doing with your pet that is presently hiding in your coat? Uh, well, I don't want to see, I, um, this is Wendell. Uh, I'd rather not bring him out into the Feywilds. So if if you don't mind, would you keep an eye on him until I return? Saki just scoops him up and nuzzles him into her chest. Oh, he's so cute. So cute. Tapping on his nose. He should be fairly well behaved, but he's still in her mind and they are naturally curious creatures. So keep a bit of an eye on him. Will do. So set off and try to find the last location of Butlerbot. Mm-hmm. You have a bit of an interesting moment. you It's an easy walk up to the edge of the court proper. And then you, like, get to 
the border where the trees get super thick, almost impenetrable, and your cobalt second, you can feel her hesitate behind you. But as you just like come to kind of a gentle appraising stop of this, it feels easy and familiar. Uh, I, you know, I did catch your name. Oh, Drainy. Well, Drainy, I wouldn't worry too much. I dare say it's fa- safe to say that I'll be one of the more dangerous things out here. Glad to hear it. She looks a little bit incredulous because, you know, you've got your coat on, so the metal arm isn't super obvious, and even with that, you look just kind of like a very regular human. Just take my word for it. I've been through quite a bit in my time. I don't exactly look like a warrior, but I can hold my own. You can see her kind of like fidget a little bit, tighten the straps of the armor prototype just a little bit. Fair enough. Well, we're burning eternal twilight. Let's be off. I won't make you roll to follow the map. You're able to get a simplified copy that kind of syncs your position with Butler's trail, and you can follow it to the end. Once you get there, however, once you get to the point of where the trail stops, I want you to roll investigate a mystery. I want you to give yourself a plus one because you did this for six months. Yeah, I did. And you are mostly still that guy. Alrighty. Add a plus one. Well, that's an eight. I rolled a three and a one. That's still get one, one question, of the worst though. rolls I could I could make. Yeah, I still get one question. Now I actually have to open up the PDF. <laughs> uh, I guess. I mean, there's a couple ones that work, but the best one, the ones that, the one that fits the best, is got to be where did it go? <laughs> okay. So it doesn't take too long to sort of get an immediate sense of what happened. It's a little bit, it's a little bit difficult because there's a kind of like almost constant low level gentle snowfall. It's a little bit harsher out here in the wilds. You're still relatively close to the civilized parts of the fake, the winter court. So it isn't as bad as it could be, but the trail that you pick up on is a little bit hidden underneath the snow, but it is there. You're able to find it. There is a a wide trail, about twice your wingspan in diameter. Well, I'm not an angel anymore. <laughs> Smartass. And... Ask me. It starts at this point. It's definitely wider than Butler, so he didn't make it. Something else that is wider and heavier than Butler 
was here at the spot where the signal disappeared and then moved through the woods. And you can see there's like bits of bark on trees that have been smashed off in a few spots. And that turns into a trail that you can follow. Do I find any bits of metal around? No. Okay. Can I tell? Uh, is there a lot of snow on the trail? How? I mean, it's a five days, uh, actually. And I don't know why I asked that now in retrospect. Yeah, it's it's pretty thick on the ground, but the damage to the trees is pretty easy to follow, at least for the time being. Right. Okay. Something just picked him up and took him away, and whatever it is can stop an emergency distress signal entirely. That should have gone off. Something did something to block that. Uh, oh, uh... Keep an eye on your back. There is something out here. Don't know if it's still here, but there was She just something. immediately does a 180. <sighs> I don't think it's around now, but we might be in its territory, so... Eyes up. Right. Yeah. If you want, you can head back, but... If you... Okay, I want to, but... I would get so much shit from everybody if I did. So, no. I'm... I'm here. Thumps her chest. I'm here. Well... Keep your head on the swivel, and try not to make a lot of noise. We are now tracking. So I will follow that trail as long as it stays obvious. Yeah. Give me an act under pressure to follow the trail. Take another plus one for all your experience doing this kind of thing. It's nine. That's a nine. Okay. So the trail curves and bends trees continue to be damaged you go over a couple of hills you're getting over hill over again not like dangerously well it's always dangerously deep into the wilds but you're not getting like you should call all the ravens as backup kind of deep into the wilds but you do come to a point where as far as you can tell, the trail just kind of stops. And it isn't immediately obvious what happened. Like a hard cutoff? Or it just... It seems like whatever was causing this trail, like, impacted a little bit. So it jumped somewhere. That seems like a good assumption. Alright. Uh... I'm going to start looking around up in the treetops then. Okay. Or if there's any, like... I mean, you said this is mostly forest. I don't suppose there's any large rock formations either. This is mostly forest, and it has been getting thicker and thicker as you have been going. The trees have been getting denser and denser and bigger and bigger. And good idea just looking up. You look up. And you are standing at the foot of 
a tree that now that you look at it is particularly large and I won't make you roll to see it reflecting off of the winter sun just a little bit it's mostly hidden in the foliage of the tree is a very large reflective gray sphere Mm-hmm. Is this thing moving at all? As much as I could tell? As much as you can tell, it is stationary. All right. I'm going to motion to the kobold to, first of all, be quiet. And then I'm going to point out the sphere. She looks up. Her eyes go super wide and she takes a couple of steps back stay I'm gonna you know, do the hand motion of stay put don't want to alert it and then I'm gonna read a bad situation okay there's a good roll that's 14 if there's one thing I know it's a bad situation when I see it this Steiner has advanced read a bad situation Steiner knows mm-hmm. all about orbs. <laughs> so I get to answer any question I want about the situation. Have I ever seen anything like this before? <sighs> Drawing on your experience of dodging dangerous monsters in the primordial wilds. This is probably a camouflage based ambush predator. You do know that from Adel killing a bunch of them and then like offering them out as treats that at least once upon a time, there was an insect that ate metal and used it to create a protective coat. So there may be creatures in the modern day that do something similar. It is reflective like metal. And you have also encountered predators that, like, lay flat on the ground, and then when something steps into the center of it, they spring like a circular bear trap and just completely encase their prey. Okay. So, if it was solid metal, you said it's resting on the tree branch, right? Or is it just kind of hovering? It's resting. It is physically on the branch. These seem like strong trees, but if that's a solid orb of metal, as you said it was like... I get the impression that it was decently wide trail, and this is a decently wide orb. Yeah, like twice your wingspan. Yeah. If that was a solid chunk of metal, that tree branch would break, or at least be under visible strain. I don't know how... I don't, like, these are fey trees, they're strong trees, but that's a heavy bit of amount of metal if it's solid, so I'm gonna guess this is an educated guess based on what I know about the Feywilds and the previous encounters with Feywilds creatures. That's some sort of hollow metal shell that a creature in the middle of it is manipulating with magic or some other means, and that it shapes it around itself to form whatever kind of tool it needs at the moment. That's my guess, at least. That's your guess. You've got two more questions if you'd like to ask. 
Given that you haven't mentioned him, I'm guessing I don't see Butler Bot. Correct. So I imagine Butler Bot is probably inside of that thing, and this thing is probably... Uh, this is morbid to say, even though he's a robot, he's still, you know, a, kind of a person. Using the metal to f reinforce their shell. That orb is definitely large enough to have all of Butler's body in it simultaneously. So I don't want to go swinging at it willy-nilly. So I guess the question I want to ask is, um, what's the best way to protect the victims? <laughs> How do I get Butler Butt out of there? <sighs> so remind you in case you've forgotten you do still have your ultra sword yeah but like i said i don't want to go swinging it in there because i might hit butler bot because my assumption is that butler bot is in there you could cut the branch off bring the thing down to ground level i mean i do have the far cut but the far cut you doesn't do. have the cut anything tag that the regular sword does Right, but it still deals, what, like, three harm? That would surely yeah. be enough to cut a tree branch. Okay, so I have three harm. What other tools do I have on my person that I could... So cutting them down would probably not be too difficult. You might be a little bit worried about the landing. No, no, I have because a... if that thing impacts and it doesn't, like, have cushions... Butler might get a little bit smashed up inside. I have an idea. I'm going to use my third mm -hmm. question now. Can I tell what type of metal it is? Mm. Or to more narrow it down, I don't need to know the exact type of metal. Is it a ferrous metal? Hmm. So... Your experience working with fey metals and the times that you've come into the Winter Court Laboratory to do work there, and then all of your engineering experience, it's definitely like with the way various bits of it are catching the little light that is getting through the, the leaves of the tree. It's an alloy that was forced by way of magic, so it is probably partially ferrous. There's probably ferrous metals in there, but it's not 100% ferrous metals. All right. Step one of plan. Mm -hmm. Cut tree branch, drop thing very suddenly and quickly. Step two of plan. Use particle accelerator in arm well, use elements of part accelerator in arm, specifically the what have to be there, powerful magnets, and just kind of keep this thing locked down for a moment. Step three, try to figure out exactly where Butlerbot is in relation to it, and then cut everything that is not Butlerbot. Got it. So it sounds like the first thing you need is a weird role to do science to your particle accelerator to turn it into a magnetic field generator. Yeah. I mean, there's not 
I mean, that's if it's accelerating particles, it can do the opposite, basically. Hold particles yeah. in place with a little tinkering. So go ahead and roll act under pressure, I guess. You're rolling it with weird. You're getting a plus one because of your read a bad situation questions. Cool. There's a 12 straight up. It's 12. And that's advanced. So I just, uh, I do that perfectly. I have a, a very powerful electromagnet in my hand now. Yep. Probably want to make sure that even more so than before, Drainy is behind you so that whatever ferrous elements of her armor don't get caught in it as well. Drainy is also now seeing like the metal bit of the arm, probably at this point. Yeah. Fucking unbutton your sleeve. You've probably like had this suit tailored so that it actually like buttons all the way up to the shoulder so that you can roll it all the way up and have it fully exposed. No, it's just like breakaway pants. I just yanked the entire sleeve off. <laughs> Tinker around. I hate this. <laughs> Reorient whatever mechanisms you need to. That's all well, that's set up. That's ready to go. Mm-hmm. Now. And now I need another act under pressure roll. Regular style this time. Another plus one because of your read a bad to cut down the branch without hitting the monster. All right, let's go. That's an even better roll. That's Perfect. that's boxcars. That's 15. <laughs> Beautiful. So sword comes out and you have a moment where like, man, you missed that feeling. You missed <laughs> having the weight of one of the most powerful martial weapons ever to exist in the history of mankind to just slide silently, beautifully out of your arm and just have that weight settle, be ready to use it. You can wind it up, feel the magic coalesce in the edge of the blade, swing space parts in the wake of the blade flies up and splits clean through the branch. The orb comes hurtling down to the ground, slams into it. Are you like immediately applying the magnetic field or are you like waiting for the creature to react in some way? Oh, I'm not letting this thing move an inch. I don't know what it's capable of. Alright. So with a 12 to have this thing work perfectly you can tell that like as it was falling the now you can see better sort of semi-segmented plates of this sphere were beginning to flex into some kind of action but like it gets down to ground level and you just put that shit on lockdown what now now uh so i don't have x-ray vision on my goggles, but I do have magic vision. And I'm guessing this thing is all kinds of magic, and if I can't spot whatever is controlling this in there, I can at least spot what isn't magic, which will be butler bot. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like a spot that's less magic. 
Yeah, he has been modified slightly, you know, by the Winter Court scientists to be a little bit of magic tech, but he's mostly stayed with your design. Right, so I flip down the goggles and activate the magic filter, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's... There, there's a lot. It's. I'm actually gonna ask I mean, for I'm, a sharp roll. Yeah, I'm in the Feywild, so I imagine most things here are some kind of low-level background magic. Yeah, but th- this creature in particular, the way that it works, I, I want a sharp roll. There's a ten. Okay, that's a ten. So you can sort of tell that like the magic of the creature is very evenly dispersed about. The, the surface area, the volume of this sphere in front of you. But it is kind of hollow on the inside. You can see that, like, towards the center, it is less magical. There, there's definitely, like, an air gap there. Okay. And that's where your boy's gonna be. Alright. So follow-up, and I have to break the uh, magnetic field, because both the uh, accelerator and the sword are on the same arm. Mm-hmm. But it's going to take a moment for it to react, I think. And uh, while it does, I just want to use the sword and try to, like, peel this thing like an apple. All right. I don't know if I want you to kick ass or act under pressure here. Because you are definitely, like, attacking this thing, but also you are, like, trying to attack it in a very specific way to make a very specific effect happen. Well, it doesn't have to be, like, literal. I mean, I just want to make the biggest but also shallowest cut I can. Just kind of, like, slice off a piece of it so that I can get a look at what's going on in there. Okay. Um, I think I actually want an act under pressure for this one then. Okay. Uh, do I get a plus one from the read a bad situation or does that not apply here? Yeah, take it. Cool. Well, that's a straight failure. Oh, that's a six. Okay. So what happens is, is you, like you said, you have to turn off the field in order to like start using your arm as a sword again. And this thing was ready. It was desperately trying to move. And so the instant you turn off the field that's holding it, it moves. It unfurls and expands. And you can instantly tell that like, this is some kind of gigantic, semi-amorphous, fey, Badger. Like it's Badger. as as it Yeah, like as it comes up to its full height and it does like spread its arms and get up in on two legs in kind of a, a, a threat pose. It has the the kind of like pointed snout and you mean bizarrely armadillo? familiar. No, I mean badger. Okay. Because when you say like segmented round and metal, that makes me think armadillo. I know, I know. But no, this is this looks much more like a very large badger in terms of like its claws and the shape of its body and the shape of its head. It's your brain tells you badger. 
and as it spreads its arms and roars at you, opens up its huge toothy maw and you can see catching the light of the winter sun, its teeth are made of metal, or at least coated in it. The metal coating its back, like, whips around and wraps over to the front, and now its front is armored. So, it's not all metal, there is fleshy bits in there. Oh, definitely. It just has this mass of metal that it keeps and rolls around its body to defend it in various ways. Alright, can I see Butlerbot? Oh yeah, the second this Fey Badger unfurls, Butler just like drops out and kind of clatters a bit. Well, clatters is wrong because the ground is coated in nice soft snow. I, I, I get what you mean though, yeah. Rattles a little, but yeah. Yeah. Little less intact, I would imagine. This thing's probably been oh, gnawing yeah. on him. The, the, you know, one of one of his little arms has like ninety five percent detached and is just hanging off a little bit. A lot of the sort of like metallic chassis bits look thin, like visibly worn away. You can tell at a glance. Your boy has been damaged but also is still, you can tell, functional. Treads are spinning. The head with the, all of the cameras in it is like spinning to the best that it can, uh, just taking in all kinds of, every bit of visual information it possibly can get. The, the mechanisms that it has to right itself if it tips over are trying to engage, but between the snow and the damage, it's difficult going. Alright. Well, it's no longer touching Butlerbot, so this thing evolved a metal shell. Let's see if it evolved a ground. Okay. I'm gonna hit it with a stun ray. <laughs> Roll kicks some ass. It's a nine. Alright. Change your arm into stun ray mode and you just No, the stun ray is a second pistol. Right, yes it is. So just whip that out of its holster. It's a quick draw thing that just like zips out. Well, presumably the left hand. Plug the badger, and no, this is not a grounded animal. <laughs> its whole body just seizes as the shock that would ordinarily be much less effective trying to course through all of this dense animal muscle is accelerated by means of all of the metal that it probably has in its body reinforcing its form. And so all it's right. like full body seizing, uh, it roars in pain and confusion, and it just like falls forward. It's, it's not dead, you can tell. Yeah. It's breathing and it's convulsing the little twitches on the ground but uh, it's it's not doing a whole heck of a lot for the next couple of seconds at least uh, right now I could easily finish this thing off probably oh yeah but I kind of don't wanna instead what I want to do is I want to use doors of perception 
and communicate with someone or something that you could not communicate with by normal means and just put the idea of you want to run the fuck away from me into this thing's brain. I actually am the scariest fucking thing in these wilds. I am the apex predator. You need to get the fuck out of here, little animal. Exactly. I mean, he said it earlier. <laughs> All right. So roll use magic. Which I do with sharp in this form. In this body, at least. That's a seven. That's a seven. What's your glitch? My glitch? Uh... There's still some electricity bouncing around, and it comes out and zaps me like a big static charge, and I take one harm. Okay. And now I need you to roll manipulate someone, and I want you to give yourself a plus one, because this thing is probably going to be a bit freaked out by how dangerous you've already demonstrated yourself to be. All right. Twelve. I have successfully convinced this metal badger that I am more dangerous than it is. Oh yeah, no, you you put the you put the terror into this thing. Like the word is communicate, so there is a little bit of two-way communication. You send this this terror, this aggression, this threat of force into this animal's psyche and it responds with I'm gone I'm gone please don't kill me please don't kill me please don't kill me please let me get away please let me get away (laughs) so it just like I want to imagine it rolls up into the ball and just goes like a wheel there's like a half a second of it getting no traction then zoom yes Precisely. You know, th- there's still a little bit of lag time as the the stun ray has to wear off. But then as soon as it is able to move again, it's like springs back up to full height, waves its arms and the metal moves from its belly to its back. And like mid wave, it curls into a large ball and is just spin, 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 spin gone. <laughs> Sword retracted. I head over to Butlerbot. Ah, there you are. That was insane. Yes, yes. Honestly, I've seen much worse than that. I kind of feel bad. It's it's an animal. It's just hungry. But still. So I'm inspecting over Butlerbot. Yeah. Again. Like I said, you know, and I won't make you roll for it. Damaged, worn away. The creature was obviously like slowly eating its metallic components to integrate that mass into its shell. But it isn't like completely non-functional anymore. The hard drives are all still intact. It didn't manage to get inside of it or anything. Okay. Well, let's see. So I imagine Butlerbot cannot move under their own power now. Uh, when you write them, they are able to move a bit. They can't keep a straight line anymore. Damage to one of the treads has got them like unable to spin properly. Hold on. Let me have a look at that there. 
see if I can do anything out here. You can cannibalize a little bit of the rest of his body and just do some patchwork. Yeah, I won't make you roll yeah. for it. Well, it's not perfect. You're going to be at a little bit of an angle, but you should be good enough to move. There we are. Right. Well, let's get you back to the shop. Fully prepared and just some good R&R, &R, I suppose. We'll have to install some sort of a protective measure against metal badges. Three of you return to the laboratory without incident. Ah, we're back. I found him. Oh, good. Nice, nice. Oh, you poor little thing. You look beat to hell. Come here. Let's find you some replacement parts. A large metal plated badger was, well, eating at him, presumably for the metal components to reinforce his own metal components. Yeah, we heard animals like that use you know, sometimes metal, sometimes stone, sometimes wood, just bend them around for offense and defense. I drove it off. It's not a big deal, but if you are going to be out there in the future, you're going to need some sort of defense against those things. It seemed quite vulnerable to electricity, so some sort of discharging field would do the trick. We can set that up, yeah. I imagine when the thing encased him, that proved to be an effective fair decay, and that's why the signal cut off. But no permanent damage, no lasting harm. Yeah, the tap, tap, tap. Hard drive cases look to be pretty intact. Because they're all coated in plastic. Probably doesn't eat plastic. Oh, I imagine it would be quite difficult to break down plastic. I suppose if it break down, it could eventually break down the plastic, but... I mean, that's the, the benefit and the detriment of plastic, is that it takes a long time to break down. Uh, and you? Uh, does that count as a successful field test of your armor? Uh... Well, I can move around in it just fine, so that you um you kind of didn't let me get hit, which thank you, but also it limits our data. Well, I imagine you don't want to have, you know, a, a person in there when you test that. Just I mean, tell me in some Yeah. Thank you for being so competent. It's what I do. Thank you for tagging along. I appreciated the company, at least. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, not any time. But... <laughs> no, understandable. You never know what you may run into out there. An extra pair of eyes is always helpful. Yeah. It's well. Let's see about getting you patched up and up and moving again. No rolls required. Butler is a relatively simple machine for you by this point. And you've got some of the best scientists in any dimension, really, at your disposal for helping. So your little cartographer is up and running and fully operational and better than ever with the defensive discharge 
generator installed. Imagine it's mostly the same thing as the one on my armor. Just produces a large yeah. electrical shock. And that should keep metal badgers from trying to eat you. Should keep a lot of things. Ah. Nice. Well, um, suppose anyone here would be interested in the footage I took of the, uh, is, is there a name for the thing, the metal badger? Uh, I keep saying badger. Large metal I think we pictures. we are aware of that sort of thing existing, yes, but that's really more of the spring courts field. Information would be useful, though, at least for creating more defensive measures. We would like to expand our mining operations, and so more knowledge of the local wildlife would be useful. Okay, they would not have any means to interpret the footage, but I can jot down some notes. And I suppose you can just pass those along. Yes. Before you go, though, I did want to run something past you. I oh, right. think, I think, I think, yes. So, we have a little bit of a mystery. And now that we remember you... Great mystery of history solved, maybe, perhaps. Uh, come come this way, come this way. Right, of course, of course. And she leads you over to a bookshelf. And there are a bunch of bookshelves here in the laboratory space. Lots of you know, scrolls, treatises, leather-bound tomes of, you know, material information, enchanting information, all kinds of stuff. There's one that's kind of like just sort of Maybe you've uh, caught, like, it, it's caught a tiny bit of your attention out of the corner of your eye, like, over time. But it's, you've always been in some other project or another, and it's never held your interest long enough. You know, all of the, all of the books are, or all of the, the pieces in basically all of the shelves are either in winter court colors or in a combination of winter and fall. They do a lot of work. The research into material properties that the Fall Court is known for, a lot of that comes back here. There's always been one book on one shelf, up on the top shelf, tucked into the corner. It's black and gold, leather bound. And Saki gets up on her tiptoes, grabs it. The cover is unadorned. She opens it up, flips through it a little bit, flips through it a bit more, nods to herself, looks at you, closes her eyes and kind of cocks her head a little bit like she's remembering something, nods, flips through a few more pages, turns the book around and offers it to you. I take it. I feel like I know what I'm about to see, but... It's a kind of... At first blush, it's a record of genealogy no that's not quite right as you read through it uh, it's a record of tradition it's halfway through there's it, it's a record of sort of like the the history of the lab and like head scientists 
you know, you, you can trace it back. There's, you know, one head scientist was apprenticed under the previous one, and that one was sired by the previous one, and that one was sired by the previous one who apprenticed under the previous one. And there's, there's this long historical chain going back and back and back and back and back. Until I find an elf with long, was it dirty blonde hair and red eyes, I think? There isn't a portrait. There is a, f- a little bit of a physical description. The red eyes in particular all are called out, but the name Hedro is definitely there. But there's another entry. There's a one step higher. Oh. And that there is a sketch. You turn the page back one more and there's a small sketch in the corner. It's very blobby. It's very obviously like somebody is recalling this years down the line. Maybe even writing it like based on second, third, fourth, fifth, 20th hand report of something tall, kind of angular, Weirdly wide at the shoulders, pointed head, wearing a large cloak. It's unnamed, but it is labeled as Hedro's Mentor. (sighs) Life is a funny thing. Yeah, so that didn't exist in the previous timeline. That entry's new. Hmm. Oh. Well, ah, uh, not quite sure what to say. I don't know what would need to be said. Thank you for solving that mystery. Ah, well. Uh, you're welcome, I suppose. And, uh. uh good on you, Hedro. So after that little adventure, time continues to tick by your work establishing new labs throughout California continues. The relay system, the the intra-California magical transportation network is finalized and things continue to happen to you. And happen by dint of your will. There's um, there, there, there's a couple things that I want to go over. The the first one is towards the end of the year, you know, a couple days before Grant would integrate, eh, beginning of December, I'll say. You get a call from Ashley Arias. Huh. Hello, Miss Arias. It's rare to hear from you. 
been very busy the last year. By any chance, are you free sometime in the next two days to talk business? Let me check my schedule here. Let's see. Can move that a couple days, yes. All right, let me just move this over and... Yes, are you in town or...? I am going to be in town, yes. All right, but... uh, Some paperwork that needs my in-person sign-off concerning 2012, things that I missed before I left. Well, uh, let's set up a place and time to meet then. And then we do that. (laughs) Yeah, she asks for, you know, because this is business, she asks for somewhere fairly private where the two of you can talk without innuendo. Hmm. Fairly private. And like, she's been to your lab, she still has your prosthesis on the end of her arm. Alright. I suppose you could always come meet me at my place of business. I can close the shop down for a couple of hours and make sure that we won't be interrupted. I think I would appreciate that. I'll let you take, then. A little bit of time passes, and she shows up looking very federal agenty at your front door, just ringing the bell to your little uh, decoy shop. I open the door to the lab and let, you know, grant access. She comes in, you know, doesn't even put her bag down, doesn't even sit down. I don't want to take up a whole lot of your time. I need this to be quick, I am expected. And for the sake of full disclosure, nobody knows I'm here. Alright. I... Despite the rockier portions of our relationship throughout 2012, I am something of a fan of your work. Uh, Thank you, I'm flattered. I am also... I believe we've had this conversation. I'm not under the impression that this whole secrecy thing is going to last forever. I don't think magic is going to be able to stay underground for even another decade. No, there's way too many. Everyone's got a camera in their pocket, all sorts of things like that. Yeah. So my goal remains as ever, the defense of the average person, kind of person who can't defend themselves easily against people like you, people like me, the kinds of creatures that come over from A and B side, all of it. All right, I think I see where you're going, but please continue. I I have a vision. I have a vision of the moment of where the veil drops and everything goes public 
people are going to panic. People are going to want to be safe. People are going to want to be able to make themselves safe. And I don't think giving everybody immediate spellcasting training is going to be a safe and viable answer to that. Not everyone is cut out for that either. That's not a power I would trust everybody with. But I would trust basically everybody with, say, a small pocket-sized device that they could carry around that would deploy an anti-magic shield. Ah, I see. Sort of like uh, a riot shield, but for a very specific type of riot. Hmm. And, well, present DHEA policy is that we don't hire wizards, which means we don't have access to people who could design or fabricate magical technology that the average person could use. But I can. But you can. And... You know, I still believe on the down low that the Ravens have their place, but it's not the same kind of place that the DHEA has. You don't have our reach. You don't have our resources. You don't have our connections. You can't talk to the Canadian government. You can't talk to the government of Mexico. You don't have any contacts in British Parliament. You don't have the ability to proliferate things like we no, do. I see what you... If we're a spear, you're a tank. Yeah. So... To whatever extent I possibly can... I'd like to bring you on board. Hmm. Everyone wants my attention these days. Well, um, I imagine this wouldn't be in an official capacity. No, absolutely not. We have an R&D department who is doing their best, but as none of them have any sort of formal training, it's a lot of just cobbled together things and items appropriated from other raven cells. A lot of people flying blind who could use some quiet notes passed across their desks. I'm a formally trained engineer, but much of the things I do now, I just picked up as I went. But I can understand where you're coming from here. So, you're wanting uh, essentially just a training guide. Training, advice, spot checking on experimental blueprints. She holds up a finger reaches down to the messenger bag on her hip, pops it open, rifles through it, pulls out a... like a, a miniature Rolodex, just like a, a little 
metal thing meant to hold like a dozen business cards at max offers it out to you I'll take it names and numbers in there none of them are officially connected to any federal lines but they are people who sympathize with me and are willing to listen and are in a position to implement whatever bits of your work you would like to share. And of course, this wouldn't be done for free if you asked it. Considerations for you and your team or simply monetary compensation. It can all be worked out. Would it be all right with you if I discuss this with the other ravens? Or is that something you would prefer not to disclose? I have a very particular relationship with the SoCal team, Emery's team. I'd be pretty okay with you discussing it with them. I don't think I have quite that level of trust with any of the others. All right. SoCal only? This is agreeable? I would appreciate it if it could be SoCal only. Well, all right. I will discuss it with them, and I will get back to you as soon as I can. Probably, hopefully, within the day. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming to talk to me. Thank you for being willing to listen. Uh, uh, do, you, do you know the way out, or...? Uh, yeah, she, like, checks her wristwatch. I do actually have to be going. Thank you, again. Right, just the usual way to contact you, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. All right. She just power walks on out of there. She is probably late to something. As soon as she's gone, I'm going to go head to SoCal headquarters. All right. See if Emery's around. Yes, they are. Cool, 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 cool. So, we'll hand wave it, but we just kind of, I tell, uh, tell them what Ashley told me. Mm-hmm. See what they make of it. They ask that, for the time being, gosh, actually, how would they feel about this? I don't imagine they'd be terribly thrilled with the idea of me helping the DHEA, even if it's like as you know, to build protection for civilian people. Yeah. Emery likes the idea of being able to mass produce and like quickly disseminate purely defensive devices to the civilian population if and when the bottom falls out from under all of this. I'm in agreement with Miss Arius that that's an inevitability at this point. Right. Uh, my my concern is what happens between then and, and, and now if they start taking your designs 
and utilizing them against us. Yeah, um, last thing I, I, I need is for us to start getting um, put on lockdown uh, by a Steiner brand uh, anti-magic containment field. Yes, that's my exact concern. So, see, they're already attempting to build these things. And if I'm the tipping point that allows them to build them and then that they are used against uh, other ravens, well, that's just unconscionable. Yeah. I trust Miss Arius to use this as intended, but Miss Arius isn't the DHEA. She... She said that the, the... The names and numbers she gave you are people she trusts to sympathize with her. Um... Is there a way you could vet them? Hmm. I, I know it would be... Difficult. I'd, I'd support you however I could, however you asked. Well, I can do what I can on my own. Gregory can dig up a lot of information when he needs to. And I also... It's been a while, but I still, have, I still know people in the right places. I could do a little more intrusive digging that way. Alright, um... I can check them out, but that's going to take a bit, and I'd like to respond to Miss Arius sooner rather than later. I... I mean, I, I'm sure she'd understand if you'd said that you need to, to, to check out these engineers yourself. No, of course, yes, I can just meet some of them in person, just talk to them. So... So if, if you can vet them... And you feel confident that they are not going to turn what you give them back on us. I am all for it. Most of these are most of these are private sector people. There's a few that are, you know, government workers, but most of these are private sector. Emery gives you a wry smile. I uh, bet there's a couple of uh, Silicon Valley names in there. Might recognize. Yes, yes. one, Mr. Peter Thiel. Is that how you say that? Thiel? And I don't have to, I've never bothered to look it up. Thiel? Thiel? Something? The one that um, the, does the blood thing. The creep. The, the Is it Thiel. Yes. Um. Never occurred to me until just now, but you know we we haven't looked into it. <laughs> uh, well, I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. <sighs> Look, uh, um, all the time you need and whatever resources you need, uh, just just ask. And you know, if I need to maneuver uh, the other the. Other cells. Uh, I mean, M Melissa will know if I'm playing her, but she also knows me well enough to not ask questions if she suspects I'm playing her. 
and 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 Dietrich's canny, but I'm a wink a little better. <laughs> ah, well, um, better get to vetting, I suppose. Get back to you as soon as I have an answer on this. <laughs> right. So, Gregory gets put on digging up any kind of public records they can find on any of these people. I call some old contacts, maybe, see if they can... Eh, eh, uh, they've been a while. I'll, I'll go meet some of these people in person. See how I get a right. feel for them. Do I get good vibes or bad vibes? Mm. It's a mixed bag. You know, one of the private sector guys, you know, in addition to doing some contracting work for the feds, also does work with Northrop Grumman. Grumble, grumble. Yeah. So, like, Ashley might trust this guy to be sympathetic to it, but maybe handing off your work to somebody who is buddy-buddy with arms manufacturers isn't a great idea. But also, there are people who are, like, near enough into lockstep with Ashley on this. You know, they are people who one way or another have found out about this shit and have covertly brought their company into the DHEA's fold and are doing manufacturing or design work for them and would like to be mass-producing civilian defense, but the present federal policy is one of secrecy, so they can't be doing that yet. And... I mean, they have, like, no... They have an official opinion on the Crimson Ravens, which is the same as that of the DHEA, but also they aren't technically government, and so the idea of, uh, like, a, a civilian team who is doing this work and has their own, like, part in this ecosystem, they're fine with that idea. They wouldn't want to see that unduly uh, pressured. And then there are the government people, you know, the, the actual, like, DHEA scientists who work in their secret R&D labs, and those are a little bit harder to get a hold of. Yeah, I imagine. It's, um, that's some string pulling in favor trading in order to get any information on them. You're not getting a face-to-face -face interview without, like, going through Ashley. But what you can gather, like about, it's there, there's some surface work. Like you can check out their LinkedIn, shit like that. And uh, it does talk about doing R and D for various like government projects. Uh, all of them are working on, at least as far as they are, like, allowed to talk about it, um, like, defense and containment technologies. 
And I don't mean like capital D defense, where that also includes like intercontinental ballistic missiles. I mean like, you know, shields, but not literally. I get what you're, I get what you're putting down. I get you. Yeah. So, the gist of it is that while most of these people are good people, the people they're working for might not be. Yeah. If, uh, if any of them screws up and any of the work that you hand them, like, disseminates into the wider DHEA, there might be a problem for your team. Hmm. Okay. So. Uh, I'd have to be really, really careful about what I'd give out and have to have basically constant oversight, which I doubt is a possibility. <laughs> yeah, you are not going to be doing any audits of DHEA paperwork. The idea is good. But I'm not sure if this is the right way to do it. Hmm. I guess, like, I don't want to tell Ashley no, because I agree with her that something needs to be done to protect civilians from what is increasingly a more and more prevalent threat. But this way isn't going to work. So what do you tell her? I mean, we can't, like, just open a company because, like, what do we say? Oh, we make, uh, we make anti-magic defense, defensive gear. <laughs> Experimental R&D for, with, with a, with an ethos to the oncoming age. <laughs> Tomorrow's technology today. today. Alright. So here's what I will say to Ashley. I agree with you that something needs to be done to protect the uh, everyday man. But I have too many concerns about the people you have picked here are good. Well, there's a couple of people that I get skeezy vibe from, but for the most part, they're good people. But some of them work for places that I really would not I just adamantly disagree with on principle and the concept of them getting the hands on my tech. So I don't want to say no, but I feel like we need to find a different way to do this. I do want to because there is a Stormfront building, I agree with you. This is going to come to a head at some point, and I also agree that it will be within this decade. But... So, I just want to put out here, this doesn't have to be all or nothing. We can exclude the ones you disagree with. If, if you want to hard veto some of the names that I've given you, that's fine. All right. I can reserve the right to veto specific people and groups and reserve the right to withhold any sort of 
information I don't feel comfortable giving, then I would be all right with this. Yeah, absolutely. This this is ultimately entirely at your discretion. I'm... I like you. I like the work you do. I... You know, she kind of tilts her head a little bit. I wish you'd stay in your lane, but... I like you and I like the work you do, and I want the work you do to wind up in the hands of people who can put it to good use and the hands of someday people who are really going to need it, so I'm willing to make a lot of concessions here, Dr. Steiner. All right. For the sake of the everyday man, the common man, I agree to your terms. Okay. Well, that packet of cards that I gave you, at this point, I, I'm i not involved in this anymore. I'm not R&D. So throw out the ones you don't like, call the ones you do, and whatever sort of compensation you like, you know how to call me, and they'll help fill whatever I can't do for whatever reason. Right. Well, uh, everything aside, it's been good to talk to you again. Likewise. Wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Thank you. Um... I would like to say likewise, but I know some of your future endeavors are going to cause people in my department headaches. So, most of your future endeavors. Hmm. Well, if we're right about everything coming to a head, we might be working together sooner than you think. That would be the dream. Ah. <sighs> Have a nice day, Miss Arias. Have a nice day, Dr. Steiner. So, uh, let's talk visiting Morton out, because that'll be a quick one. Yeah. Hopefully. I say that, and like an hour and a half later with the most touching and moving conversation with Morton. <laughs> then let's get right to it. So yeah, pay a visit to the fall court. Mm-hmm. Interesting to uh, see what's going on there. So you don't visit the fall court often enough to have like heard about whatever sort of effect there was in the wake of Adel's appearance but the, by the time you mm-hmm. actually do. Hmm? There should have been one pretty big change. Hmm. So you see, that's interesting. So you, you get there and you, you know, speak to the greeter who I for you. There definitely was a greeter when you Is went the there previously. No, that's the summer court. Yeah, that's the summer court. Let me check. Let's check the hand. It was a lizard man. It was a lizard man. 
But the point that I'm getting at here is that the greeter has changed. Ooh. It's an... He's an ogre now. I believe he's an ogre. Real big guy. Yes. Yes. Ogre is correct. Oh, I see what... Ah. It's, uh, seems a little bit slow, but he's super friendly and just so enthusiastic to meet you and to take you to where you're going. Do I know you? You seem familiar for some reason. No, I don't think we've met. Hmm. I, I just have that feeling. Do you, under, do you know what I mean? This is kind of like I've not met you, but I... I have that sort of face, I think. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's just nothing. Oh, well. So he, you know, escorts you to the Palace of Fall. And, uh, you know, the, the workshop, which is where you're heading, uh, is underneath the palace. So you do have to go into the palace. You don't have to go into the throne room necessarily, but if you I'm can. If I'm going to be passing through the palace, I suppose it's only polite that I pay, you know, respects as I move through. Yeah. Assuming, you know, they're not busy. They're a little bit busy. Uh, you know, the royals always are. But it's, um... It's Rondethel, still. Hmm. And Damrol is there as well. He, he seems to have taken up a position as like the king's right hand. But that's, that's King Rondethel. That's the king of fall you've always known. Switch hasn't happened. I remember them being just like perpetually low energy. Oh, yeah. Just slumped all the way down in his throne, like 75% asleep in his chair, even while holding court. And he's a little bit peppier now, and that seems to kind of be a function of Damaral being there to, like, keep him energized and alert by dint of his presence and a little bit of cajoling. But... He, he is still the same guy. Hmm. Well, we did make that promise. So... It's the, the contract that you entered with him is irrelevant now because it was supposed to be that if you can't secure the power in order to make the switch happen yourself, you have to let Adel win so he can do it. And there is no more conflict with Adel. So since the contract is impossible, it doesn't matter. It might not even exist anymore. You don't have the ability to check. It's a more subtle thing, contract with a royal of the Feywild than you are capable of sussing out. But you haven't felt any sort of pull or penalty in the probably over a year at this point since you, in quotes, failed to fulfill it. I mean, the possibility of it being fulfilled is still there. Kind of? You'd have to invade the center and No, I mean, like, Adel. in the sense that... No, I, I don't mean that. I mean that in the sense that the power is there to do the thing. It just has to be done. It's just out of our hands now. Yeah. 
Adel could make it happen. He just hasn't for whatever reason. So, you know, it's still in the cards. Yeah. When Adel's back from doing whatever the hell they're doing in the center. It's like, hey, good to see you, Dad. Can you maybe fix this? <laughs> we'll get to Adel eventually. But in any case, you know, I just pay in my respects as I pass through to visit Morton. Mm-hmm. As is proper. The the king acknowledges your respects, but if that's all you're here to do, he doesn't even try to make conversation. There's a brief bit of chatting with Damerol. Yeah. Just wants to know how Maggie's doing, but outside of that, he doesn't want to keep you. Uh, she's matured rapidly, but she seems happy. Yeah, she is fighting fit, hearty and hale, happiest she ever has been. I'll tell her you said hello. I appreciate it. It's good to see you as well. Likewise. I uh, will take no more of the court's time. A good day to you both. You get a, like, dismissive nod from the king and uh, a respectful, happy-to-see-you kind of quick bow from Damrol. Make your way down the steps into the workshop, and it's as busy and chaotic and loud as ever. And unlike every other time you've been here, there is a new sound. The clear, crisp ringing out of a master's hammer upon his forge. Just stand a little bit back and wait for Morton to get done with whatever they're doing. Takes a couple of minutes. He's definitely deep into it, but they're... Yeah, don't interrupt that process. Yeah, there comes a moment where he, like, picks it up to examine the partially completed instrument. It's not a weapon. It's something. You can't tell what the final shape is going to be yet, but he's examining oh. it. And then, like, okay, so his line of... Hmm? He's hammering brass. Not working on a hot forge right now. Cold hammering some, some brass? You know what? Sure. Just shaping it? Yeah. Yeah. When he brings it up to his face to look at it, his like you are now in his line of sight, so you can see the kind of like oh, like flinch to his head as he espies you. And he puts it down. He's wearing a pair of goggles that, like he he's not working with something white hot, so he doesn't need to protect his eyes. So they do something, but he moves them up to his forehead and puts his tools down. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt. I know that these things can be a delicate process. You have come at an opportune time. I am... He shakes his hands out, beginning to feel the hours. Welcome. It is wonderful to see you. You are in such good health. You know, I'm eating healthy. I'm getting plenty of exercise. I'm actually running everywhere these days. It is good to be busy. It is good to be busy on your own terms. He thumps his chest. <laughs> oh, I understand that quite well. How are you? I'm well. It is wonderful to be back at my forge. It is wonderful to be back to work with my people working on my projects for my king. Making some manner of instrument there. 
Yes, I am. Um, this is a test. I am um, examining the the flexibility, the malleability of brass in particular. I am attempting to push it to its absolute limit. Any particular goal in mind, or just poking at it to poke at it? I believe that if my hypothesis is correct, that this should become the backbone of some very, very lightweight armor. Oh, really? Brass armor. So what would be the specific benefits of that? So as I said, this would form the backbone, at least in the initial plans. We would be working in concert with the Winter Court Laboratory. My thought is, is that, and he like kind of waves you in a little bit so he can speak a bit lower. Summer and spring to a lesser extent are very wet. And so there would be a risk of them utilizing those properties to induce galvanic corrosion. Right. Brass could be used as a sacrifice metal or something less valuable could be used as a sacrifice metal for brass. Mm. Well, if your primary concern is corrosion, then why not simply gold plating? Gold has its own challenges. Rarity, for one. Well, if you electroplate it, we'd only need a few molecule, molecules of thickness. Kind of tilts his head back a little bit. Electroplating, you say? Uh, yes, you use um, chemicals to dissolve the gold uh, a little bit, and then you use an electrical charge to magnetically, well, not you use an electrical charge to attract it to the metal you wish. It's, it's more complicated than that I'm kind of generalizing, but um, it's a fairly old human process. We've been doing it for a couple thousand years now. Interesting. I'll need to have some of our contacts in winter investigate this idea then. I'm working with him over there. I can bring a book with me next time. Let me do that again. I can bring a book with me next time. He holds out a hand. I wouldn't want to place you in the middle of intercourt military development, at least not so directly. I will handle it myself, but thank you for the idea. Well, you're, you're welcome, but I would, of course, not give up the brass line of thinking. Throw it at the wall and see what sticks, as we say. Of course. Experiments, always. Nothing else. It may make for a useful alloying element. Well, I didn't come here to talk shop. I actually just wanted to catch up with you, see how you were doing. 
He leans back a little bit, spreads his arms. Of course, of course. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for the visit. Well, I have plenty of time if you, unless you're busy. I do not mind taking a break for you. It'd be good to have a nice chat with a friend. He reaches back and undoes the back strap on the goggles. You know, can't take them off normally on account of the horns, but he does remove them from his head, places them down. Come, let's eat. After you. So speaking of old friends, there's um, a little bit late into 2014. There's an unexpected item in your office at Caltech. It's familiar though, a little bit distressingly familiar. If patterns hold, Victor has broken into your office again to leave you a little card with a phone number. All right, all right. Secure line, burner phone, call the number. Hello? Victor? Doctor. Hi. Well, good to hear from you first and foremost. Likewise. I'll not beat around the bush. Uh, I can't help but notice that you uh, broke into my office and left me this note, so... Well, I don't exactly know where you live. I mean, I... Well, no, I don't live at the apartment. I suppose you would have found that out. Uh, yes, somebody else is living at your apartment, and she terrifies me. Uh, she's fine. I'm not willing to risk it. <laughs> well, uh, no, I wouldn't go barging in there, but once you get to know her, she's fine. Uh, so in any case, what can I help you with? Nothing. This, this isn't business. This isn't a job. This isn't me asking anything of you. I just wanted to call you. I wanted to apologize for everything. I wanted to apologize for all the subterfuge. I wanted to apologize for trying to sacrifice you to the Ram for my family. And I wanted to thank you for everything you did for me. Victor, there's no need to apologize for anything. Are you sure? Because I really feel like there was. I, I You said you knew for months, but that, that doesn't affect my actions. I still, as far as I knew, tricked you into walking into what was probably a death trap. On one hand, you do have a fair point there, but... Uh, all right, fine. 
you want to apologize, that's perfectly understandable. I tell you already that you are forgiven, but say what you need to say. I mean, I'm I'm not great at speeches. It was you said you've already forgiven me. It feels like it was an unforgivable thing to do. You were, you know, before everything went bad, you gave me a purpose. You gave my family more stability and a better life than we had ever managed previous to you. And then, you know, I show up out of nowhere, I invade what was very obviously you just trying to lay low and live a normal life, and I try and pull you back in for the express purpose of sacrificing you for my family's well-being. That's the kind of disgusting behavior that I would find unforgivable in basically anyone so, so for you to just offer forgiveness so immediately I'm not sure what to do with myself Victor, the past few years of my life have been exceedingly strange Navramavent was kind of just like a little blip on the you, you know what, Can if you can uh, I've got an address drop by sometime in fact, we can schedule that if you'd like. Sure. Um, I mean, I'm on the other side of the country, so it might take me a little bit, but I think sometime next month. You know, that sounds fine. That sounds good. I look forward to it. Uh, I'll check my schedule here and see what we can clear. I'm fairly in demand these days. This is my real phone number, so just call me with your call me or text me with your availability. We'll make it happen. I'll make it happen. Will do, and it's good to hear from you. Thank you. And now I call Alex. <laughs> All right. Hey PG, what's going on? Alex, do you want to surprise the hell out of Victor? Absolutely. Great. I'm going to let you know a date in the coming month when you drop by the lab. You know what? Sure thing. I will make sure that it's free. Fast forward to next month. A date is arranged and Victor shows up at the front door of your laboratory. Alex showed up earlier that day and is waiting in the lab. In position. Ah, good to see you. Good to see you. Come here. Give Victor a hug. It's returned, but it's a little bit awkward. Come here. Come here. Step into my office. He follows you in. This is where I'm operating out of these days. And, um, hold on one second. And I just, like, slide up a panel in the wall. There's 
various scanners and a keypad. All that manner of stuff. So, he ultimately looks like impressed, but not surprised. And into the lab proper. <laughs> Where did you have Alex waiting? Um, leave that up to Alex. If Alex just wants to be like standing there or Alex can be in one of the off rooms and just like at some point just come out and be standing behind Victor. It's exactly that. He is going to sneak up on him. Yeah. You bring Victor in, you introduce him to Gregory and okay, that's a he looks surprised about that one. And then as you're like giving him a tour about the place, you know, you turn back, Alex is creeping up and then just hands into Victor's flanks. Hey there, and Victor's like, ah, ah turns around. <laughs> Alex! Hands on his shoulders. You absolute bastard! Uh. Alex is just laughing, arms around Victor. I'm as surprised as you are. One thing you can say for certain about Alex is when he goes into hiding, he goes into hiding. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. You're a... I held a funeral for you, you son of a bitch! I'm sorry. I'll reimburse you for all of it. I make pretty good money now, so it's fine. You're going to need to tell me where that is because I absolutely want to visit my own grave. That's exceptionally morbid and completely in character. You haven't changed a bit. Uh, it's good to catch up with friends. <laughs> and you can do that. You can spend the entire rest of the day catching up. So what are you doing these days, Victor? I'm working. I'm working at a security firm. Oh, I suppose that makes sense. You have the expertise for it. Just applying everything I learned, but backwards. Yeah, that's actually fairly common in our line of work. So what about you? All of this? What's all this in service of? thought you were a teacher. I'm still a teacher, but uh, there are things bigger than us going on. And that's, that's about the, as much as I can tell you. I mean, if that emotions at you, that sword in your arm is any indication. Yeah, you're probably working with something I'd like to keep myself and my family out of. Yes, uh, between you and me, I think my work isn't going to be secret for that much longer. Well, I say my work, but the work I do, just be ready for some weird shit. Kind of frowns, furrows his brow. Ready how? Well, I'm working on some things that should help, but uh, be prepared to defend yourself against, uh, just be prepared to defend yourself and be ready to leave if need be. Don't know if it 
Not sure what's going to happen, but something is going to happen. And a shoe is going to drop. And uh, I am in agreement with some colleagues that it's going to be before the end of the decade. It feels a little gross to ask, all things considered, but if the sky does fall, can I call you? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Uh, where was... He was in Boston, right? Somewhere in there? Yeah, Massachusetts. If you can, I have a friend in New York. If the sky, if the sky starts to fall, I'll give you an address. You go talk to him. Tell him you're one of Steiner's friends. He'll take care of you. Thank you. Gosh, I feel like I have nothing to offer back. It's it's a pleasure just to have you here. So the three of you can, yeah, catch up, reminisce. I got some beer. I, I don't yeah. usually drink, but I got some beer specifically for this. It's a little bit, you know, tense in a few spots as it becomes clear that you and Alex are in the same field, and so Victor is the one that is out of the know, and he, you know, would like to be in the loop with two old friends, but also this does sound like something he wants to keep out of, so you can tell that there's that kind of push and pull with him. But he doesn't ask. He doesn't ask for you to reveal everything. I guess, is this one of those... We've been over this, but this is one of those things where knowing more puts you more at risk. Yeah. You start seeing things, you maybe start feeling compelled to chase things, learn things. Things will start to get dangerous for you. Okay, actually, you know what I'll do? Mm -hmm. So I'll take a moment and I'll put together just like a little basic here is what to do if you encounter some weird shit. Like some <laughs> stuff we've encountered, some stuff that... Like some things need... You know, it's like a survival sheet. Just like a quick survival sheet. And I will seal it in a manila envelope. And I will... Give it to... Give it to Victor, and I will say... If things happen if the shoe drops and you will know if the shoe drops open this it contains information that should help keep you safe but do not open it until then the less you know about these things the safer you are just looks dead serious as he nods and takes it from you you're a smart man victor i'm sure you can gather an inkling of what's happening but as i told you as i, I said Ignorance is the best defense right now. Less I know, the better. Okay. Thank you, again. For everything. You know, if you're ever on the East Coast, you need a place to crash. You need anything, ever. I don't, I don't know what I could ever do for you, but you name it, I'll do it. I'll get it done. Just... Have a long and happy life with your family. That's what you can do for me. Yeah. Okay. And tell them I said hello. 
you ever want to meet them under better circumstances, I would welcome you into my home. I might take you up on that. So, Steiner, you have the most undocumented, most alien person living in your apartment. Yep. Should probably be resolved at some point. Let's see. So, uh, why am I over at the apartment? It's your apartment. Why do you need a reason? I mean, I'm not the one living in it, but... I mean, it could just be like a face-to-face check-in. You you are, in in a very real way, responsible for her living arrangements. Fair enough. So I'll knock on the door of Red Rocks. Mm Mm-hmm. And you absolutely could have arranged for her to be home at this time, so she is. Opens the door, immediately invites you in. You. So, I'll not beat around the bush. Aside from being a general check-in, we must discuss the elephant in the room. Squints a little bit, tilts her head. Though, you are technically Roxanne Harrison, and thus all legal status of her also applies to you, you cannot piggyback off that identity forever. Eventually, someone is going to notice that there seems to be two of them. Yeah. So, fortunately for you, we have, between the Ravens and myself, we have quite a bit of connection, and we can grease the right hands, and we can get you some paperwork. (laughs) And here's the rub. You need to decide who you are. Are you simply uh, Roxanne Harrison, or are you something different. If you want, we can simply, as I said, grease the right palms, and Roxanne Harrison always had a sister. A twin sister. A twin sister with a skin condition. (laughs) Well, a horrible bleach accident. So, I mean, I haven't gone back to see them yet, but my parents are still my parents, and I'd like my parents to still be my parents. You should probably set that meeting up, yes. Hmm. So I've been... I've had a couple of different names in my lifetime. Some legal, some magical. I have feelings about names. I don't want to give up mine, but I feel like to the extent that I'm going to have to exist legally, it's not going to be too great of an extent. So I don't think I would mind if legally my first name was something else. And we just kept calling me Roxanne. 
Middle name could be Roxanne. Lots of people go by the middle name. We could do that. It's ultimately, as I said, up to you. If you want to be a different Roxanne or something entirely new. And you have plenty of time to discuss this. And it's been a while. And keep your head down for a few more months. Right. As I said, you I imagine you'd want to meet with your parents, talk with I say let's say OG Roxanne. It's a it's a big thing deciding who you are. A lot of people go through life not doing it at all. I've had to do it a lot of times. Yes. I'll I'll think about it. I we should do it. It'll take me some time to think of a name. And I'll talk to my parents on my own time. Well, um sorry to have to bring up such a heavy subject, but no. No, I... It, it's important. Take all the time you need. Uh, aside from that, how is everything going? Mm, fine. Been uh, experimenting with true speech, trying to figure out if I can make myself stick out less in the crowd a little bit. It's slow going. It's scary pointing that kind of thing at yourself. Yes... I haven't heard from our third. No, I, they're still in the center. There's really not any way for them to get any messages out. I, th I think once I get my identity figured out, I'll go visit her. Yeah. Yes. Ah. Well, is there anything I can do? Anything you need that I could get? Not today. Uh, still comfortable here? Very. Thank you again for letting me use this place. Oh, no problem at all. Still don't eat? No, I, I would invite you to... Uh have lunch, but all of the food in the fridge is fake at this point. <laughs> Keeping up appearances. Have to. Cleaning lady comes by and sees a conspicuously empty pantry. That's more things I have to explain that I don't want to. Well, I'll leave you to your devices. Just wanted to make sure everything was okay. Thank you, Dr. Steiner. I appreciate it. Let me know when you've come to a decision. And again, take as much time as you need. And we'll, well, I'll get that started. Right. So, towards 
the end of 2014, you get a message from the Winter Court by way of your wormhole communication. Hmm. And that's that at your earliest possible convenience and like possible is italicized. The Queen of Winter requests you and Emery Parker to pay her a visit fully equipped. Cool. I will go get Emery. And so, uh, possible was italicized, which I am taking to mean as get over here now, but very politely. Uh, it, it, yeah, let me, um, get a jacket. I'll go do that. And, uh, they'll grab their cane, which is still reinforced with the anti-magic material. No, wait, they can't. You won't be able to get into the Fey, the, the Fey Wilds with it. Never mind. They'll, they'll have their, their secondary, uh, cane. They've got a, a special one that's like very similar to their other one. It's heavier, but it doesn't have the anti-magic stuff on it. My part, I've got all my kit, the whole kit and the caboodle. Yep. Two of you get to the winter court, are escorted to the throne room. The queen is ready for you. Like, the second you show up, she immediately, like, cuts off the person she was talking to, dismisses them out of earshot. As requested. I appreciate your prompt response. I am requesting your presence on behalf of another. You and Emery kind of share a look. Yeah. The Master of the Wilds has asked to speak with you. I'm just gonna like look at Emery. <laughs> like their eyebrows are up, their head is tilted back a little bit. I don't fucking know either. <laughs> um, who who are we to refuse? Please, yes. name motion. Lead the way. She leads you down into the secret chamber removes the blockage over the teleporter into the center. You step on, she works the spell, and you are jumped into the same little, like, enclosed receiving room that you've been in a couple of times so far. It's a little bit different this time. The attendant isn't asleep in a chair covered in dust. They are upright, eyes alert, like clean and pressed. They are armed. They've got some kind of like wicked looking halberd in Sweet. one hand. And as the two of you resolve into this space, I regard the both of you. Welcome, bow, eyes closed. Thank you for responding to the master's call so promptly. Ah, oh, uh, of course, how could we refuse? This way, they turn, place their offhand on a small panel next to where you know the door is, and then the door 
jerks and slides out of the way. You two are escorted out into the center, the same sort of brown cobble promenade that leads you past the great pit. And for the first time in over two years, or close to two years at this point, Dr. Steiner, you catch sight of Roxanne Blue. She is sitting on the edge of the pit, like feet dangling off into it, just kind of kicking. Her hands are kind of like folded in her lap and she's leaning down and she's just kind of staring down into its depths. She's in her, you recognize now, fully integrated battle mode. Her bony tail is kind of flicking behind her when it's very reminiscent of a cat observing things intently. Yeah, meow. She doesn't even, like, look up at the two of you. Might not even be aware of your presence, and you are not led near enough to her that you would be able to get her attention without shouting. At least she's doing okay. She seems to be doing some kind of way. The two of you are handed off to the maid of the center, the head attendant. Still decked out in all black, nicer than the receiver. Also armed now, has a very long sword sheathed at her hip. I've seen her hand where her hip be at. She gives a quick, polite bow to the two of you. Welcome. The way you say that every time makes me think you're going to follow it with You've Got Mail. <laughs> Just the cadence you use. I don't know why. It's not even, like, close to the AOL greeting. <laughs> and then with no further preamble, she just turns 140 degrees and starts leading you off, and you go off the path. It's like the whole time just kind of Sharon looks with Emery like, uh, uh. The center is wooded as fucking all of the Feywilds is. There are structures, there's the receiving structures, there's what appear to be like, I don't know, temples of some sort? I don't know, maybe that's some kind of like library or something? You have no fucking idea what any of the other buildings around here are besides the four that are the receiving rooms. But in between all of those, there's wooded areas. You know, light, sprightly, uh, a weird kind of forced mix of things you would see in all four courts. And you are led off through the trees. You feel like you might be getting a little bit lost. And you come into a small clearing. And there's Adel. Oh. And they look different. Like in a lot of ways. They're going through a, like they're going through a golf phase? No, no, no. They're dressed simpler for one thing. It's it's the same kind of style, but they've lost the gold pauldrons and they've lost the crown. The 
their skirt is no longer the like pristine white and blue cloth with the gold hem. It's they're dressed very similarly to how you last saw them in the primordial wilds. Like simple cloth skirt. Still no shirt. This man. <laughs> I mean, if you if you're ripped like that, why would you wear a shirt? <laughs> Uh, no wings now. And near as you can tell, no weapons either. Although that doesn't mean super much to Adel. But there's some things a little bit less obvious that you can, you know, it takes you a minute to scrutinize. They look both more and less healthy. They look like they physically withered a little bit. Their their muscles are not so great and defined. They look like they've lost weight, and all of that weight was muscle mass. They look smaller, slighter, but also they they look radiant. I think that is a good sign if they don't feel the need to be at peak. And perhaps the most striking thing about them is that their face is easy. It's not quite as easy as it was back in ye oldest of days, but it's a far cry from the idol you first met. Yeah, I would imagine. So your guide leads you into this clearing and is the you and Emery just take in the sight of Adel she kind of like lowers her head and walks backwards so that she exits this. You know, you, you can tell, you can hear her walking. She doesn't go too far. She's standing just at the edge of the clearing, but now it's the three of you. It'll kind of looks the two of you up and down, appraising your body language. I'm trying to look relaxed. Well, I mean, they called us here full equipment, so like, I don't know what's up with that, but they seem relaxed, so I'm gonna relax. They look at you, look at your armor, look at the way Emery is fingering their cane. The kind of set to your collective posture. And they wipe a hand across their face in a way that reads is just a little bit exasperated. And then they walk over to the two of you, close the distance through the clearing. How do you feel right now, Dr. Edwin Steiner? This Adel reminds me more of the Adel I knew in the uh, I guess before times is the word I'm going to use in the distant past than the Adel I fought. So I'm not going to be like, hey, buddy, but I am going to regard Adel as a friend. All right. All right. Slight smile. Emery, you can tell for their part, is uh, not blessed with this secondary frame of reference, and so is considerably more tense than you. 
It's been a little bit. It has. You look... well. So do you. You seem happier. That is a good word for what I am. I have a very, very selfish request of the two of you. Well, you've more than ended. They smile and dip their head a little bit, shake. No, I. this is not something earned. This is something asked that may be denied if it does not suit you. I am in recovery. And the one who is overseeing my recovery is quite strict. I imagine you would have to be to rehabilitate a god. I am finding that my hands are itching. My joints are burning. I need to move. Ah, I see. I need to be... They give you a look. I need to be made to move. Ah, I understand. Well, uh, I personally happily agree to this request. Emery is just kind of vibrating. Um, I don't want to get cut to pieces here. There's a tension in their face that, like, you can tell immediately Steiner is them just trying to keep the excitement from showing. And Needle nods and holds up a finger and walks over to a particularly thick and sturdy-looking tree, and they look up to it. They speak at it in true speech. And branches just fall off it, thump into the ground, thick and heavy. Bark just melts off of them. They become polished almost in that instant. They motion with one hand and they float up, grab them, toss you one that is just the crudest wooden sword that matches the length of your arm sword perfectly. Toss a branch over to Emery that is a hammer of wood. And then they take for themselves a wooden one-handed longsword. Come now, Emery. I can tell. Part of this excites you. Oh, I'd love a rematch. <laughs> well then. Their face splits open. Adel's face splits open. Turn to Adel, I take a battle stance. After you. And they step in. They don't teleport. 
you can read immediately they want something honest out of this. They bring it down. And I don't want to go blow for blow here or we'd be here for another hour. Yeah, yeah, we would. I want to condense all of this down into one roll from you. All right. Roll kick some ass. There we go. Boy, if I flub this roll, it's going to be disappointing for everybody. Eight. And eight. eight is acceptable. Eight is acceptable. You give as good as you get. The end of it. Everybody is panting. We're all coated with like a thin film of dirt and sweat. And we're all got that kind of you've done a lot of work today. You're tired, but you're tired in a good way, burn in our muscles. You are definitely going to have some welts in a couple of hours, but so is Emery. So is Adel. You got in a couple of clean ones. <sighs> oh, oh, oh. Oh. Excellent. Excellent. Likewise. Ah, it's good to see you again. Likewise. I... When I remembered, when I was given the memories of all of that, it has been the, the desire to know the two of you again has been burning under my skin all this time. It was a hell of a fight. They, you know, they're, they're still a little bent over, still panting, and they crack a smile at you. And then their smile goes like strained, like completely artificial. And their body, like they have to catch themselves on their knees. They're holding themselves up. Okay, did we overdo it? Are you... Their, their breathing just becomes labored, and now the, the sweat that's on them is less like the pleasant sweat of a good workout and more something's gone wrong with my body. Oh, shit. Shit. Uh, Emery, see if there's anyone outside that we can... There's got to be some an attendant. Emery turns 180 degrees and then takes two steps back as there is just someone three steps behind them. Uh, sorry. The maid of the center is there. She's not alone this time. There's another. Steiner, you recognize this individual. Although uh... they're in a very different context. You recall... Back in the wilds, back in the primordial days of the Feywilds, there was one member of Adel's camp who was present, but never did anything because they were asleep the entire time. A long-haired, soft-faced drow, always asleep with a point of orange light floating above their head. Last you saw escorted on a kind of crude palanquin during the group's migration. But now they are here. 
taller than you, hearty, hale, wide awake, pissed off. Ah, apologies. It seems we overdid it. They just march straight past you. Okay. I told you no. I told you no a hundred thousand times that you need to sleep, that you are not ready for anything like this, and I trust you alone for an hour, and you're here. And Adel looks cowed. Just looks sheepish, apologetic, while also looking like they feel like shit. And while continuing to chew them out, this new person puts a hand, one hand on Adel's back, one hand on his chest, lowers him down to the ground, first to a seated and then laying on his back. And now Adel is like labored breathing, like just on the edge of hyperventilation. I'm concerned about my friend, but I also am about to get yelled at. This new individual looks at the two of you, assessing. <laughs> I'm going to guess they didn't tell you they were in this kind of shape. No, not exactly. Turns back to Adel. I would go so hard upside your head if I wasn't afraid I'd split your idiot skull open. And Adel kind of reaches up and this new person kneels down, takes his hand, and Adel puts a hand on their cheek, gently trying to reassure. Brada, I am sorry. I, I felt myself going mad, just laying all day. And you will continue to lay all day until you are well again. <laughs> just gonna look small. And Brada just takes the hand that isn't pressing Adel's to their cheek and just kind of knocks them on the forehead gently. <sighs> the moment you can walk again, we're going back inside. You are going to eat, you are going to drink, and you are going back to sleep. Of, of course. They nod, take their hand off, stand and turn to the two of you. I'm not mad at either of you, because you didn't know. Just please, if he tries anything like that again, come and find me and ask if it's okay. Fair enough. And again, sorry. Nothing for you to apologize for. They close the distance. Brada, by the way. Right. I... Well, we never spoke because you were asleep, but I do remember you. I... sort of heard stories of your presence. Steiner. You're new, though. Um... Emery Parker, um, his commanding officer, sort of, it's, we're a bit loose, but officially. Mm. Huh. Well, you 
cultivate good soldiers, I guess. Very polite, at least. I'm a bit of a special case, but I thank you all the same. <sighs> uh, well. I know you're busy, but uh, one quick question before you're off. Hmm. Is are there any is anyone else still around? Maze is around, sort of. That's Yes. If this one would recover right, we could get Mesa properly alive again faster, and Adel just groans in a combination of guilt and exasperation from his place on the ground. Beyond that I think it's just the two of us. It's, I I haven't been out of the center yet. I woke up here and I got asked to get him back on his feet just one more time. So I haven't left. I haven't I haven't gone to check yet. But the way Mesa makes it sound, it's been long enough that at this point you're looking for long time descendants. Yes, yes, that's... Uh, that's what I figured I... Oh, uh... Do you know what happened to Hedgerow? Founded a laboratory uh, in the Winter Court. Quite successful. I don't think I ever met Hedgerow. That's not a name that's familiar to me. Ah, well, sorry. Nice fellow. Mm -hmm. I believe you. Tends to be that only nice fellows end up in their company. Kind of giving a little bit of a head shake at Adel. Well, next time you call us, either it's just for a nice conversation or be in good enough health, please. Of course. Still, I'm happy that you're doing as well as you are. They still look like they are in the throes of some awful physical episode, but they give you a strained but genuine smile, nonetheless. Now you go rest up, doctor's orders. My doctor orders me around plenty. As I need to, apparently. Turns to the maid. Can you get some people who could do earth movement in here so we can get him properly back inside. The maid bows, says nothing, and just turns and leaves. Turn Emery. Well, I believe that is also our cue to exit. Hmm. Um, but please, when you are, uh, in good health, um, good sparring partners are hard to find. So, um, you know how to get in contact with me. Um, and Adel just kind of raises a fist and Brada walks over and slaps it and it just flumps onto the ground. <laughs> All right, we should be off. Two of you know how to make your way out. Life is weird. I know I say that a lot. It really is. 
Life is good, though, on occasion. Yes. Yes, it is. I'm going to be so sore in the morning. <laughs> yeah. 